opening lyrics to that song. He would just run the whole Public Enemy song. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, okay, can you do a mic check? And he'd be like, bass, how low can you go? Death row, what a brother know? Like this like very milk toast yeah. white guy. Sunday Scaries. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, hey. what's up? I'll, you know what? It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Hey, my name's Travis. Uh, I'm hanging out with Cameron today. Hello. And I'm hanging out with Daniel today. Hey, everybody. So this, is, this is weird. This is the first episode that Tyler hasn't been able to uh, make it to. I'm I, sitting in his chair. Yeah, it's cool. You can sit there. It's I comfy. think, hey. You have to stand in for him, so we're going to ask you for very firm medical advice. Yeah, you got to give us the uh, the input on uh, how you know cardiac surgery goes. Uh, so you know, contusions are what happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, uh, he's, he's a little busy today, but that's fine. We got we got some other awesome buddies he here to hang out with He is a working medical professional. I know. He has so. a real job. This isn't the only thing he does apparently he has to do shit uh but yeah hey this is a it's a sunday scaries this is sunday scaries uh we this is a podcast about uh, horror movies and things about horror movies and uh things that people who like horror, mo- horror movies might like talking about um today what do we watch guys we watched the black, the black phone. phone hell we're gonna get this i'm gonna do that every time i know All right, one, it's good two three the, the black phone, phone. Nice. Oh, okay, so you want to hit the highs? Yeah, I, go, okay. high, go, I go high, you go low. Okay, okay, okay. One, two, three. The, the black, black phone. phone. There we go. That was it. Oh, my God. Oh, you goof. Wasn't that just peachy king? You need some help? You see that? Yeah. <laughs> Would you hand me my hat? Yes, sir. I am a part time magician. Are those black balloons in there? Would you like to see a magic trick? Uh, so, brand new release. I assume this was both of y'all's first time watching it, right? First, for me, first time, period. Never read the story, never, I don't think I've even read Joe Hill, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was based off of Joe Hill. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. We'll definitely get into that. Yeah. I know this is your, we went to go see it yesterday. Yes, thank uh, you for the tickets. Yeah, of course. And the mozzarella sticks. Absolutely. Those were delicious. You got mozzarella sticks, too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did he give you, he, he gave you the truth? <laughs> That's my move, <laughs> man. Didn't I got I just feel <laughs> cheated. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I bought myself mozzarella sticks. Yeah. Okay. I usually yeah. do fried pickles. I used to, how like, are the yeah the Alamo Draft House food uh it definitely like I I don't know the mozzarella sticks are really good on there weird wreck yeah. I'm gonna yeah. do this I love their Beyond Meat burger interesting I've I haven't had tried it that one three yet. times now and it, it's actually grown on me more and more I like mm-hmm. the ciabatta bun that's part of it interesting it's a, a good choice for a burger they have a ciabatta bun yeah yeah it's either the brioche or ciabatta ciabatta sounds yeah. it's a little firmer yeah, yeah. it's easier to toast but it's still fluffy a ciabatta Ooh. A ciabatta bun. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, man. That that fucking Alamo season pass, man. It uh, it's paying off. Goes, it's, I've seen like five movies this week. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so you did see Minions? I did. Well, I might have. I've seen you. Twice. Oh How, what were you wearing? <laughs> what were you wearing? I had to wear a suit and tie. Of there course, I wore. Okay. Like, what do you think? I'm a fucking like scrub over here. Yeah, I'm not gonna show up to an event like The Rise of Gru without. You know, I'm gonna respect the art form. The rise has Gru risen? Can he we is, confirm? Was, isn't it called The Rise of Gru? It's called Minions, comma or. Uh, not comma apostrophe the rise of Gru. yeah the rise of like the rise to of skywalker unnecessarily specific <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah Was guys it better than rise of skywalker it uh it, yeah uh, hot take hot yes take. yeah i i mean i took more away from it 
than I did from Rise of Skywalker. See, that's what I it's left about. the theater feeling like. All right, so the black phone. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, <laughs> Scott Derrickson's uh, most recent movie since uh, Doctor Strange, actually. Um, notably, I think we talked about this during our episode about Sinister. Um, Scott Derrickson stepped away from directing Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness uh, because of you know, creative differences and issues with the studio and stuff that, you know, may have, whatever, we can read into that or not. Um, and he let Sam Raimi take the helm. That was a whole fun thing. Which I heard um, was like a pretty peaceful passing of the torch. Yeah, there, it didn't them. seem like there was any animosity there. It he, seemed I genuinely followed Derrickson like, on Twitter, and uh, I remember at the time he announced that he was just like, yeah, it's just not working. Like, I, yeah. I no hard feelings anywhere, but um, I think I'm going to go do, go do this instead. I think he too, like right after he was like, I actually have something loaded up. I really want to do. Yeah. He wanted so. to come direct this movie, the black phone, um, which yeah, good on him. Wise like, choice. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, uh, I liked multiverse of madness. I did. I think it's definitely the most interesting Marvel movie. It's very Raimi esque. Yeah. I think those are the best parts of it. Which is sure. intriguing to me in a lot of ways. Uh, if you go from Derrickson to Raimi, what does that say about the Dr. Strange franchise? Is there like, is there some kind of right. intuition that a horror, a person steeped in horror, uh, directorial, you know, like skew is like the person for that, that character. I think or? that that was if, in my mind. I think that what came first was them thinking we want a horror element to this movie, right? And then them saying, "Well, we have Scott Derrickson on board already, right?" You Let's think just he went too deep? This. Like he was like, "We're gonna make it really scary." I think the, I don't know because I think that Raimi was trying to push it even further. Arguably. Raimi, yeah, because yeah. he had the whole like. You know the Raimi shots. Yeah, he like the guy. The Raimiisms. The Raimiisms. Yeah, yeah. Those are the. And then, like I said, those are the best parts of the movie. Exactly. Yeah, like, in an otherwise somewhat nonsensical plot. The plot um, was. But yeah. But hey, this podcast is not about uh, multi- Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We it's about to the cut out so much superhero. I don't. Talk. I don't cut. I don't cut anything anymore. It's too much work. So I just, everything just stays in, and I just try to do a good job of guiding um, so silver surfer yeah right <laughs> um but yeah so like overall takes uh well your first uh, first blush of this movie i feel like we, i don't know i came out of it all for like pretty happy and everything honestly i think i like it better than sinister yeah, yeah. interesting i'll go on record as saying the same thing interesting um but I, i'll add that i think the emotional catharsis in this is stronger than sinister sinister huh. is kind yes. of a is a little bit of a lingering question mark and also the ending of sinister is much more nihilist in this one right uh this one definitely has somewhat of a, a wish fulfillment kind but of you can ending. see there's so many like it, it, it's almost like they, they didn't even skip a beat like mm-hmm. there's so many things yeah. in sinister that they use in this movie you're like wow it's almost like there are some things you're like, I feel like they just took footage from that movie, like yeah. all the seventy millimeter or whatever, well, all the old school the stuff. I was gonna say, stuff. I, I love that. Yeah, I love the dream sequences were shot in yeah. uh, seventy, and it kind of took you back to like it really immersed you in the seventies vibe. Mm-hmm. Not although there, I did not see one set of Birkenstocks <laughs> on anybody in Denver <laughs> in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, this is Denver. Um, but yeah, so the black phone, uh, after being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13 year old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. Um, so yeah, like you said, this is based on a short story from the author, Joe Hill. Um, it comes from his first published book, uh, released in 2004. Um, it was originally called 21st century ghosts. It's a collection of short stories. Um, that are all really cool. Uh, so I think you, you you said earlier, Joe Hill is famously, uh, so his full name, Joe Hillstrom King. Um, he is the son of someone you might know by the name of Stephen King, um, who has written a couple of pretty good books uh, that have yeah. turned into movies themselves. True. Um, what's awesome about, like, I don't know, I, I don't know if anybody's, 
okay, I'm sorry if anybody listening to this, we're not going to talk about Lock and Key because I haven't seen it, um, and I don't know anything about it. Is that Joe Hill too? It's also him. Yeah, it's the, the Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Yep. He uh, he wrote that, uh, oh. so he's responsible for Lock and Key. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, his I stuff, watched the first season. Yeah, his uh, Joe Hill is really cool. Like I, you know, I, at the risk of sounding like so nerdy, because I feel like the last episode was also about a movie based on a book. Um, the book that this is based on, Joe Hill is a he's he's very much more of a, I'll say like like not high concept, but his writing is more prosaic. It's more often like avant garde and sort of like impressionist. Um, Stephen King is one of the best narrative authors to ever exist. And his his writing, you know, it I think is one thing that lends itself to to being turned into film. Yeah. Um, Joe Hill, his especially in a, his collection of short stories, um, they're all very they're all like I said, very impressionist. They're uh, they have you know simple characters that are hardly named um, and sort of very basic you know concepts that are elevated by. Um, you know this idea of magical realism and then supernatural and horrific elements that he yeah. you know, that he sort of colors them with, um, and so yeah, this book of short stories that uh, this movie is pulled from um, has a lot of those, and this short story is only twenty pages. Um, I think you know we'll get into that a little bit more here. Um, yeah, so this is Scott Derrickson's first movie since uh, doing Doctor Strange. He's teaming up with uh, with the old crew. Uh, he's got uh, Robert C. Cargill, the guy who also is his co-writer on, you know, Sinister. Uh, on, um, I don't think he worked on Doctor Strange, but he worked on the. He definitely Devil. helped. There's yeah, no way you don't work with. It's those, kind like, of work that so duo close together. And not yeah, put it's something the, on it. Yeah, exactly. They they seemed kind of like in yeah. It, Paired for for most of the stuff they do, um, but along with uh, the co-writer, he also puts in. Uh, we get a uh, Ethan Hawke showing back up to team up with Scott Derrickson, and then also Jason Ransone, yeah, uh, our detective so and so from uh, Sinister, who I fucking I just love. I love Jason Ransone. Um, <laughs> what a he, dream! Yeah, he shows up. We mentioned it in the Sinister episode, but he's also uh, plays the uh, the older version of Eddie in uh, It Chapter Two. Yep. Um, he's got. Yep. I mean, he's got a bunch of credits. He's he's just uh, he's Ziggy in. Um, Sopranos. Sopranos, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Rip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of people. We're losing a lot of like classic like Italian. Yeah, someone uh, tweeted it was like, "Watch out, Italian Americans." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rule those, of threes. Yeah, for those listening, in the past week we lost James Kahn, another James famous Kahn. horror icon. Um, oh. Sir. Sir. Oh man, I'm gonna feel Chicolo. I don't know. I made yeah. that up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another yeah, actor yeah. from The Sopranos passed away recently. So yeah, Polly it seems Walnuts. like Tony Sirico. Tony Sirico. Yeah. Died somebody's taking out these. Uh, somebody's getting. Somebody's whacking all Someone's of these. Getting uh, whacked off. Yeah, these classic mobster actors here. Um, yeah. This. Uh, so we got. We get. We have like sort of you know a, a murderer's row of, of filmmakers showing back up to kind of to do what they do best, which is make some cool. Uh, Sinister was very King esque, and then this movie is obviously written by a king, if not Stephen King himself. Um, but it's man, it's got that vibe it's got that that uh coming of age 80s you know small town all, right, all the kids are running around doing their own shit like, i don't want to derail us too much yeah. but i actually want to push back against stephen king being the goat yeah i that guy needs an editor yeah that's fair <laughs> i i, I <laughs> here's no, what man, i will it's, say it's the blow there's a reason all his stuff gets made into gets made into movies is, is partially because there's it's a very clear visual language and also because it's such a like pretty it's a good narrative he has a good eye for narrative mm-hmm. he just sprawls like all his stuff yeah. there's stories within stories um like like we listen to pet cemetery and there were like two entire other stories embedded inside of it and I, I'm all for like telling these stories. I just wish it didn't have the framework. It's like a novel within a I novel. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I just want to know the Pet Cemetery story. Heard. That's, it's, that's what I kind of like about it though. Right. I get that people appreciate it's round, it's kind of rounding out the universe in a lot of ways. 
Um, but I, uh, I don't know, man. Like, it's if it's really that good of a story, it should be that good of a story on its own. And I think I don't think anybody agree, would disagree yeah. with calling Stephen King's writing style prolific. Like, I I, a, I think the yeah. most accurate sentence is like he is the most prolific author yeah. of our lives. I mean, the sheer amount of pages that yeah. that guy's put out has to be greater than any other author I've ever known. I will say I don't know his his narrative style though is something like him or like, James Patterson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, different. Yeah, slightly. I don't know. There's probably some crossover in that client, that uh, readership. Right. Not to assume. But he, I mean, he's a great guy. So mm-hmm. it's hard to hate Stephen King. He's been like a very, uh, they, there's a story um, that Stephen King has these things called like, uh, like dollar or penny shorts or something. It was like, if you have a mm-hmm. short, if you read a short story you really like, you can actually mail him and like kind of, if you oh, yeah, get, get the touch licensing him, for it. Yeah. He'll sell you yeah. the license for like a, a dollar, I think, yeah, or something if you wanted to adapt it. Yeah. Cause he yeah. just wants to see his stuff made. Also, he has, I think that's how Christine, wasn't that how Christine and uh, Cujo were made? I don't know. I, I just heard about the deal. I I don't know okay. what came mm-hmm. out of it, but there's like rumors, like film school kids will like petition him. They're like, Hey, we love this story. Can mm-hmm. we make it? And he's like, I don't, yeah, of course. Because his, I remember the end. The, the follow up quote to that is always my favorite. Whenever he talks about like how his work or how the movies get perceived, because he's like, right. for me, it's a win win situation. If it gets taken and turned into a really good movie, then I get the credit for creating the original story. If someone takes it and makes a movie that's not that great, then they say, well, the book was better. Right. And it's like, well, he's very damn. And he's, <laughs> he's, he's a practical guy. Yeah. I read, yeah. all, I read his book on writing, uh, which I think was really, really illuminating. Um, and even parts of the Dark Tower series are like autobiographical hmm. in the way that I I I totally I, forgot he wrote. I, oh man, oh you, I, mean, oh, I can't believe I watched. I read all of that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the? It was a movie, right? That they came. Out I with? did watch the movie with Matthew. Uh, yeah, like Matthew Gunn is the bad guy. It, it was. I don't know, man. How could you take something that is roughly ten thousand pages in total and boil it? Try to like even the, the well, first I'm sure they tried like to make a franchise and like boil it down to like an hour and a half, hour forty, and like not cut out things people are going to love which that is the number one king complaint is they're like why don't we have this or why don't yeah. we have that and you're like have you read his books that he has <laughs> right. 50 things it is a 1000 page novel yeah and i like and and everyone famously explains the ending and i'm like what in the hell and it's like you got to trust king because he's going to get there yeah but part of me is like Bro, you told a 1,000-page story and what could have been done in, like, 300. As the editor in me is like, we got to get this down. Like, modern times, you're probably not selling a 1,000-page no. novel off of anything other than, like, clout. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. I'm not trying to lay the gauntlet down. I just like to I be don't the know. It sounds like you want to fight Stephen yeah. King. I, he's so Stephen have, King, if you're I listening. Him on yeah. the phone. He's, <laughs> he's so nice. I follow him he's on Twitter. He's 74 years he's old, He's so Daniel. cool. He's like, he, he could he, still take you. Up. you. Yeah. <laughs> he's got that old man strength. <laughs> he seems uh, so, so nice. He, like, just wants to give back to the writing community and stuff. But yeah. I, I'm like... Why are we letting this get old? We're get, we're letting. <laughs> sometimes I think the name gets away from the craft, and I'm like, are we saying it's good because we like we just say Stephen King is good, or are we saying it's good because it's good? Right, and it's funny you bring that up because I remember. Sorry, uh, I mean that's, sorry. that's yeah. Hollywood too. Yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah, and I just think nothing should be above reproach, yeah. myself included. Joe Hill actually famously he uh, so he kind of started his writing career. Uh, he started attempting to get published in 1997. He explicitly started trying to publish under the name Joe Hill rather right. than Joe Hillstrom King, um, and for a full decade before he actually revealed his full name to publishers because he was like everybody's gonna buy my fucking books if they know that i'm yeah. stephen king's son also they, they could sell look it off at them. yeah 
Yeah, he looks he, he looks, he looks like just a fucking like skeleton. Yeah, exactly, yeah. he looks like a baby skeleton, just like Stephen King does. Which is yeah, so interesting. Uh, it looks just like Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. just younger. I wonder what it must be like to be Joe Hill to live through because Stephen King's not not only notorious for his output but also his life. Yeah, like the the he's stories a, about writer, his life are infamous. Yeah. Yes, like his addiction mm-hmm. and his car accident, which is like one of the biggest events in literary figure history mm-hmm. is like so interesting. Cause we always like, we know about it. He's written about it mm-hmm. and we kind of know, but he lived like Joe Hill lived that. Yeah. And, and the way it gets, you know, it pervades his writing. And such an from, interesting from misery to Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Like, do to, you think people ask Joe mm-hmm. Hill, what was it like, like being his Not son sure. or like yeah. dealing with your father being in like a coma, almost yeah. dead. For... And he's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about my writing. Of course not. I don't right. want to do that at all. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's just so much there. It's like <laughs> the man is as much a legend as, his, yeah. as his myths, I yeah. guess. So yeah, he goes by Joe Hill to not live under that shadow. Yeah, right. he did initially, especially in his uh, yeah, at his the beginning of his writing career. And this book got published before he made his grand reveal and told him, you know his you know his full name and everything. which is funny because full circle we watched this movie and I'm like wow this is very Stephen King yeah <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. May, like is Joe Hill like oh, I wish people would stop saying that or like yeah. I don't know at this point he's probably so like well published he's like whatever it is interesting know. because yeah. out of the out of the short stories in the book that this came from this is the most King esque you know right. uh, short story there's so many other ones that involve that are about you know adults and adult writers actually and like some other stuff but well let's is, let's go ahead and just name what makes it king s because that's going to be the biggest is, one yeah. of the biggest talking points so, right and yeah. that's kind of yeah. yeah for like for the next point too especially it's it, it it hosts a you know a cast of, of young actors playing children who were basically you know this is it's set in the 70s uh in colorado uh and these kids have they are you know definition latchkey kids they go they're running around taking care of themselves dad's an alcoholic it's like that's dad's, literally all like, of the parents yeah all of the boom. parents and adults yeah. in this in this movie are virtually useless or not present um, or yeah. or actively malicious um, and that's kind of like you know one of the, the that is one of the primary king elements of it that and the supernatural elements of it and the sort of you know this high fantasy sort of undercurrent um, overlaid with you know with a horrific sort of realist story um, yeah like the whole cast of kids in this I think does a pretty good job though uh, you know for, in, on a spectrum but so like good. you know they they I think bring they execute well what could be you know a train wreck of a film i think always work you know when you have an entire cast of kids it's it's a uh, it's risky territory it is but i also feel like uh especially at this budget level of a movie if they're making the movie with these kids like they know they've got it mm-hmm. they had to have done the right auditions or something because yeah kids are kids are like a big they're not a liability that's rude to say but it's like you only get so many working hours out of kids and they want to work more but like legally you shouldn't mm-hmm. physically you shouldn't ethically you shouldn't like they say like you get like a good six or seven hours mm-hmm. on a twelve hour day or something. That's it. And by the same token, yeah, I think for this whole movie, holy I, yeah. I mean, I don't it think I don't know if that's to times. this exact yeah. like yeah. shooting schedule. Mm-hmm. And I and I think uh, Mason Tims or Thames is the Thames. Or, yeah. Um, I, he seems From like California, he could go. I don't know what to pronounce it British. Thomas. Yeah. Mason Th- Thames. Thames. Yeah. He's French. Yeah. I think I, he looks like he could go all day, but like you still shouldn't. Like yeah. they once once kids start to get tired, like adults have this like ability to be like, okay, I'm tired. Right. But here's what I'll do through. to conserve energy. Mm-hmm. Kids when they get tired, they're just done. Yeah. And you can tell in the performance, they're like, wow, that was. Oh, yeah. End of the day, they were like, "All right, I'm out, man. I cannot do this." They and have homework. They do like sometimes yeah. they do homework between setups. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, I think Scott Derrickson gets great performances out of you know most of the kids yeah. in this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I said, there's you know there's a spectrum. Of, I, I guess we could say of like the different performances and stuff. I think most notably, so you know the younger sister, I think, is kind of the standout. Like she was great. Her performance, yeah, that the she best plays use the of fart sister. knocker I've ever heard. <laughs> so yeah. intense. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah Madeline, 
knocker? You fucking fart knockers. I was yeah. like, I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot about fart knockers. Exactly. <laughs> Madeline McGraw, uh, she uh, she plays Fenny's older sister, Gwen. Uh, McGraw, yeah, she's uh, she started acting in 2014 um, at the age of six. Uh, she debuted in a TV in the TV series Bones. Nice. Um, yeah, so she's she's a young actor, but she has a lot of credits already. Um, you kind of have to be if you're mm-hmm. going to pull down a movie like this. Like you have to know how sets work. Yeah, yeah. You're familiar with the industry really already. Freaking good. Yeah, which is like it's that's why it's like a child, a kid actor's debut performance is like they'll knock it out of the park. You're like, where did this child come mm-hmm. from? Yeah. Cause she was like, she had to nail that audition or something. Yeah. Cause she mm-hmm. had so much spunk. Yeah. And she like, carries, you know, the other half of this movie, the, yeah. you know, the entire parallel plot that, that was added to, you know, to grow the runtime and sort of add, you know, stuff to cut away from whenever we get away, get out of the, the room that, that Finney is trapped in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then of course, Mason Thames, uh, we mentioned him already. Tim's Thames. Um, Tim Tam. Yeah. He plays, he's, Tim he's, Tam Tams. Yeah, he's the lead role of uh, Finney who, uh, who gets kidnapped and locked in the basement um he's a little bit newer on the scene he uh, started acting uh in this uh, short called uh, after omelas um which has like an interesting like a similarly like a kind of a similar plot to the black phone actually it's like based on um it's like a it's a it's like a city fairy tale um where two kids are like kept in like perpetual filth and darkness and misery uh until they escape one day um but his uh yeah his he's I think he, I don't know, as far as the movie resting on his shoulders, I think he, he carries it through pretty well. Um, yeah. He says a lot through his eyes. Like, mm-hmm. he has a very good, like, he doesn't have to say much, but the anger and, like, he, it, it, the, the parallel between, like, him watching his dad beat his sister and then the look he gives uh, the grabber mm-hmm. every time he comes into the room or, like, they were one and the same. Mm-hmm. And he was able to say so much without saying anything at yeah. all. Very expressive. Yes. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Really, really great performance. Yeah. And like, so that, that being the king element of it, uh, you know, we, we have all these, these little kids running the show. It's uh it was funny. Uh, you texted me talking about how like, man, these kids are fucking badasses. Oh like, they beat the shit they are, out of each constantly other. Robin? Fighting, dude. Robin? Yeah. Oh. Coolest kid cool. ever. Wearing a Cheech and Chong shirt. Yeah. Just a bandana. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Huge four. fan of Texas Yeah. Chainsaw or something Massacre. is like his favorite movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just love watching people getting fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and he fucking like, he, he roundhouse kicks that guy at the beginning. His of opening the movie. move. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. This is like in my head, but the bandana thing, the whole thing, I was like, Karate Kid. Yeah. They mentioned yep. going uh, full Bruce Karate Lee but it was, the Dragon. It was, yeah. It was movie. the 70s, though. Karate yeah. Kid was 80s. Yeah. Right, right, right. So he was a Bruce yeah. Lee fan. He was he he mentions Enter the Dragon as being his famous movie, right. his favorite movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where you open up with the roundhouse. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, and there are there are other elements like you know there there is a a cozy um, sort of like uh, every town nostalgia to to this movie. Uh, it's, it's suburban. That's yeah. the, the other thing that I think makes it kind of mm-hmm. king. Yeah, it starts off with a baseball scene. Uh, right. It's like, yeah. It kicks yep. off with the opening sequence is a fucking baseball game. Wait, uh, right, I, I'm going to pitch it to you, Travis. You want to pitch intended. it to me? Wait. I want to know. Wait, uh, I just want to know what your, like, how accurate was the baseball scene? It was. What worked and what didn't? I was bl- literally the very first pitch that was like, so obviously, like, Mason Tames like mechanics. Like he's not delivering a pitch that looks like the ones that they like, you know, wrote. It curved. Yeah, yeah, I heard had, you laugh. Had, you you snickered to yourself. Yeah, like, he threw a two seam fastball that had an upward right break to it that looked like a fuck it was thrown at like seventy miles an hour. Yeah, I was yeah. like, that thing it fucking it And they a, show it on camera. You watch the trajectory of the ball. Yeah. Uh, I think from like behind him. From, yeah. So you get you to see, see it his from, perspective. Exactly. From a cinematography standpoint, I was like, that's a badass baseball shot. Right. Uh, yeah. And like it, it worked really cool. But yeah, obviously like Mason Tim's little body the way he like 
contorts himself. I was like, oh, that's that's not coming out of that little guy. But, but his arm is mint. Really cool. It's his mint. His arm yeah, is right? mint. I don't, yeah. Uh, it made me think like like the character had watched a lot of pro baseball and was just yeah. trying to copy what he saw his pros yeah, do. Yeah, he, he a, does he, the like high leg raise. He threw a pitch like, from the stretch and he had like, like okay Nolan Ryan or he, yeah, yeah, like a Nolan Ryan pitch. Yeah, he he needed to like he needed to drive his weight forward a little bit more and come up to the top. That was the whole thing. But, Mason Sims, yeah, if you ever need baseball coaching. Travis here in Dallas has can help. Hey man, yeah, we'll go. Come out and play some sandlot baseball with us. It'll be a whole thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Y'all play like beer league. <laughs> we do. We we are drinking beers. That's poor child. Would be like, what is Mason Tim? Actually, very seventies advert. Like, you really want to get prepared for the movie? Right. You should have yeah. come yeah. and watch Travis play baseball. Yeah, exactly. Bad News Bears. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that whole opening sequence, it's uh, it was it was fucking great. Like they had this uh, that opening thing with uh, Bruce Yamada, who ends up being like one of the first uh, victims. Uh, you knew though right away yeah you knew yeah. it was great having that little i didn't include this in my notes or anything but like having a that was such a good like baseball movie scene i was like i kind of wanted like yeah. i was like i want a whole movie about this it really <laughs> like, about like, their fucking like the first team. third of the movie really immerses you into the community yeah, it's all set up it is yeah, interesting it's yeah beautiful and that is all like you know we'll i'll, I'll kind of get dive into a little bit more about stuff in the movie that wasn't included in the short story but like you know they're building out the first entire act of this movie um with a nice coming of age you know set up essentially yeah where like small town america yeah they have to establish him there's always that black van in the background what's that doing there (laughs) yeah like every time it showed up we're like oh of course yeah the black van ominously pulling out of the corner which is uh is kind of funny it seems like a parent's like a literal parent's nightmare Mm -hmm. right like kind of the joke is like I don't know about joke, but like he is every parent's worst nightmare. It's yeah, like a stranger in a black van. You like think somebody, somebody would have flagged that down like earlier? The, uh, the child snatcher. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was rough. But yeah, that, that opening sequence is very cute. Like, it, it starts off so cute. I remember going to see this in theaters, like, uh, so I actually saw it twice this week. Uh, so I, I saw it earlier. I remember watching the beginning of it, and I was like, I forgot for 10 minutes that we were watching a horror movie. Yeah. I was like, because yeah. it, it's just such a, a sweet, like, and I think that's another thing that's that's very, you know, King-esque about it without, you know, hitting that too hard is, like, you set up the uh, like the the pathos and the emotional relationship to these characters by really showing you know their the things that they care about and like the everyday like little kid stuff yeah. that they're worried about bullies baseball games and you know girlfriends i and, think like, that's the beauty of it too yeah. is it ties into this to the to this the horror horror that's yeah a, a, we can get there but horror is kind of but a those are the stakes term. it's like i would even say terror yeah yeah is like all the stuff we're seeing in like say that first 30 40 minutes mm-hmm. we're going to get back to it or it's mm-hmm. going to be important or mm-hmm. related in right. some way to what happens in the really messy like really scary stuff yeah. exactly um which is kind of what you want and like if you're going to set up a horror movie like it you know make it meaningful yes build here's, the world but also like you got to have some mechanics that just pay off here's yeah. all this innocence that we're showing you and we can take that away right yeah. right and like here's the kid that fights and like yeah. you know he's going to go right so what is beyond that what is his mm-hmm. relationship and then that's kind of the thing that Derrickson I think and I don't know about Hill but like Derrickson gets into is like what happens after all this stuff yeah. after right. the regular suburban life is upended and all your like expectations are like okay this character's gonna die this character's gonna die mm-hmm. like here's how it's gonna happen you start to do that thing that horror movie people do a lot mm-hmm. which is kind of my gripe um, is they like start planning? They're like, yeah, all right, right. I know where this is going. Yeah. I have and the, honestly, the abusive alcoholic yeah. dad. Yeah, like, that's you're right. okay. That's the thing. He's going to be stepping like, up against that and finally the cops the are going to bust in at the last minute. Right. Like all these things, you're like, all right. Yeah. Well, they pulled the they pulled the uh, silent stellar rug pull. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, oh no, wrong house. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll, I want to get to that at the end when we talk okay, about that in a minute. Yeah. But yeah, especially the uh, but yeah, like also in the opening, like you talked about, we get the abusive dad thing, which is uh, yeah, the uh, the father of, of Fenny and Gwen played Tom by uh, Tom Savini. It's a uh, he's got a or sorry, not Tom, what the fuck am I just saying? Uh, makeup artist Tom Savini. <laughs> uh, uh, Jamie, uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting his fucking he name. He was now. Opum in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, he's from Saving yeah. Private Ryan. Man, there's so many. Every fucking actor in Saving Private Ryan went on to do something. Spielberg knew what he was, was doing. Saving Private Ryan. Vin Diesel, that? that's shot. Like Nathan Fillion was in Saving Private yep. Ryan. Yeah. What? Yep. Yeah, everybody was in there. Jamie Davies, sorry, uh, playing the dad <laughs> of uh, Finney and Gwen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he like that. This is the other problem that like we'll kind of get into as we start talking about like Ethan Hawke and stuff and and the grabber himself is that like. Yeah, we set up in the, you know, the coming of age stuff with the kids. Um, also, the fact that, like, Fanny and Gwen are living in a household with a single dad who is an alcoholic and very, very abusive. And, like, one of the first scenes that we get where we really get to showcase the actress who plays Gwen, like, her acting ability is, like, she's getting uh, belt whipped by her dad after uh, the uh, the cops have come to his work uh, to ask him about like her visions, and yeah, stuff. because she has visions. Dreams. Yeah, she has clairvoyant visions into uh, another like, like check mark, mm-hmm. check mark in the in the Stephen King mm-hmm. box. Yeah. A teenager with superpowers mm-hmm. that may or name may or may not be good. We don't even. But her her mom also had those too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I yeah. think is like Firestarter and. The Shining. Uh, the Shining. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Doctor literally she essentially had the Shining. Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. So what do you guys think about, like, because so that entire plot, right, of, of the sister having this, like, clairvoyant visions of stuff, it's basically, like, there is a very, very, there's, like, one paragraph thing in the short story where basically Finney has already been kidnapped, and he's imagining when, in the short story, is his older sister, who's, like, three or four years older. Um, he's trying to come to terms with his situation, and he imagines his older sister riding her bike down the road and, you know, looking for him and stuff as sort of a, uh, like him having like a dream or like an escapist fantasy or whatever. Uh, and it kind of, the way that Joe Hill writes, it transitions into this like actual prose like narrative of them describing the sister driving around and like riding her bike around and like trying to search for the house and stuff. Um, and so there's like this element in the story where once he actually starts talking to the ghost, they say, uh, your sister was actually looking for you. You're right. You know, there's people out there that care about you and stuff. And I think the way that they decided to expand that to add, you know, they needed something else going on in the story to cut away to, to go back to and to add, you know, um, like it's to the runtime, to the plot and to like develop and develop into like a, a more fully thought out feature. Um, and I think that's where that came from. But the little sister, the little sister in this film, yeah, like you said, she's clairvoyant. She can see um, things that have happened and see stuff when she's dreaming. Um, and yeah, like you said, I think her, her, yeah, her mother also had the same gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her dad is coming to terms with this by, by abusing her because uh, we learn through like a little exposition later that uh, her mom, killed herself uh, right. because she was having visions that were driving her to like insanity or to commit acts that were violent or something. Um, so she eventually took her own life. And so because of that, her dad is, is taking it out on her by trying to repress that and keep her from um, being in touch with it. But it creates this other side plot where through which we develop sort of the detective investigation aspect of it, um, yeah. which is, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um this gets into some of one of the things that I think they added that I'm not sure like it, it there's a couple of like, I feel like loose ends or elements that are added to the story that don't get fully realized or paid off in a way. Like what? Um, in that sense, like also the fact, so the fact that like the daughter is clairvoyant and can see like, you know, she has this, like this telepathic ability. Um, it doesn't, 
seem to have any relationship with like the black phone or why Finney is seeing ghosts or what where the black phone comes from or why it has this power or anything. Well, because she ties his, or she ties her her powers to her relationship with Jesus. Yeah, she's constantly talking to Jesus throughout the... uh... But she she hid that fact. She hid the fact that she was religious, and Mm -hmm. that's why she kept it in the dollhouse. So I always found it, like, really interesting. Like, does now the father not believe? Like, Mm -hmm. is is he away from the church now, so she has to hide her ties to religion because that's how her mom was? Right. I thought it was funny because I thought it was almost like a a way for her to talk to, like... Because it almost seems like she's talking to some, like otherworldly like uh, you know like some eldritch beast or something right because like, she made she a cross it, out of nails or something yeah but she personifies it as like what she knows so she's like oh i'm talking to jesus and he's right. giving me visions of of whatever whereas like you know i compare this the reason i say i feel like it's a little bit unrealized is because i feel like compared to you know the shining for instance right where you know in the shining when he has his like when doc has his little powers and stuff it's connected to a larger plot of you know there's there's this this whole uh, universe of other people who also have this power who are connected to each other and it's also connected to the house the right. you know, the, the overlook hotel where it because the, the house is haunted too but because he has the shining he's intrinsically like tied to it whereas in so this was movie it the shining that she had well, no, this isn't this isn't Stephen King, and it's also like and it also that wasn't part in of the, the short story. Yeah, that was that wasn't in the short story. It's something that Scott Derrickson <laughs> added on. Yeah, That's right. Just easy way to <laughs> yeah. write King-verse. everything. Yeah, yeah. It's the multiverse. Um, because that, that's sort of like I think the other element that like. We'll kind of flesh this out in a second, but like the other element about like you know the phone and stuff is when you're taking sort of a much more impressionistic story that doesn't really have to spend as much time explaining things. Like the whole great thing about the short story is you're given like little nibbles and tastes of this universe and this like supernatural thing that's going on. But because it's a short story, the there's not the onus of having to sort of develop these into narrative like devices that have to connect later on um in the short story you're just kind of like oh this is a cool world to play in for a second and then see the singular plot take place but then you can close it out real quickly whereas in this movie it's like so many things happen with the character of finney and so many supernatural cool you know elements of it like are brought up that don't get played off or related to um for instance, yeah, like her clairvoyancy or like how she's able to see stuff or why she can see the other victims and like, you know, not that it has to. Horror movies don't have to explain themselves. Right. But, that's, right yeah. You know. That's the fun of horror movies. Yeah. It's um, the ambiguous. Like, but it is interesting, right? Like the movie itself does toe the line between like what is uh, like what people, what audiences will accept versus like what you can just take for granted. Right. Mm-hmm. Like some things have to be explained and mm-hmm. then some things don't like the black phone doesn't get a, like a mechanical explanation. It just works. Right. It's the static electricity. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the phone just rings. Right. right. It's, it's the, it just how the grabber sees it. It just works. Yeah. Sometimes. Right. And we then don't even know like, exactly like the why. Afterlife. And we take that as an audience member. We're yeah. like, yeah. okay, so that's how he sees it. But we know going into this movie called yeah. the black phone, it's going to be about a black it's, phone. Yeah, right. right. I even hope. Like, even that, though, like, the <laughs> Fingers thing about crossed. the, the yeah. black phone is, and the way, like, the things that, the sort of the, the things that we get in the movie, like, the movie sets up rules about the black phone yeah. that then, you know, sort of that we have to follow, right? Where the, the kids start calling Finney when he's trapped in the basement. He starts hearing these phone calls, and he starts talking to him, and he's like, who are you? And they say they don't know who they are. Like, apparently when right. they die, they, they lose their sense of identity. Um, so he has to remind them what their name is and stuff. And then they're only allowed to give him 
a little bit of information about you know what they did but then they can also sometimes see things that are happening well it's so kind of that's an interesting mechanic yeah. that you think about it is uh we there's more ghosts than we met like mm-hmm. there's more more characters than we've met personally we right. only know like two or three of the actual ghosts personally we actually right. know who they are um and one of them they introduced by like just by flashback alone you get yeah. to know this character just through like a uh, like a 70s era flashback because he, he well he happened to be in the same gas station right that, he has song. like one it's experience like, but it is yeah. a great way to it kind of li- list like what are these characters who are they what are their abilities kind of mm-hmm. like thing it's like oh you were the paper boy right. and then we get this explanation so i guess it's uh it could just be a plot device just a mechanic of like yeah. easily quickly introducing yeah, these ghosts it's- Sunday Sunday it's, it's, a, it's a fictional story so it's like you know, obviously it's <laughs> yeah. like we don't have to like hold it you know ransom for for not following we don't have to do the stephen anything. king thing where <laughs> we learn an entire other story right. about the paper boy being haunted yeah, yeah. that's vaguely related to the black phone yeah. story it was actually his parents old phone right so that's why like you know they moved it's a rotary yeah and, yeah but it's funny because like even in the, set in the 20s or yeah something. uh <laughs> We, so Sorry, maybe we can just go ahead and talk about like Ethan Hawke for a second because that's like a that's a big part of it where um, like he, the character of the grabber is like has like other elements that are hinted at as well where it's yeah. like he he's like he can hear the phone as well and he says you know he's he's heard it one a couple of times when he was down there and he you know he references having been in the basement when he was a kid and you know, the phone being there. And so everything that's there, the whole basement is built out to have, you know, it's like somebody, like somebody had been living down there. Um, and so you have to wonder, it's like, Oh, was this where he was abused as a kid and why he developed into the person he is? Um, but yeah, do you want to talk about man, Ethan Hawke's performance in this is like amazing. And making the most out of so like ter- taking little and turning yeah, it into so much. It's haunting. Cause it's, uh, how do you, how do you take a role? You're Ethan Hawke. You're a big star. I'm going to cover my face for the majority of the movie. Right. Right. But then also give this crazy performance behind a mask. Mm -hmm. Like his, his vocal performance was great. Yeah. Like every mask you saw, like different tone of voice. Yeah. And the audio is like filtered, like the sound you would hear through his mask. Exactly. Yeah. So give very bane, like, the first when they had the first mask on, I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the way the the element of like the mask changing throughout the uh, yes. uh, throughout the movie, depending on what like what scenario he decides he wants to put Finny in. Yeah, like right. so he comes in like the very first mask that he puts on has no expression yeah. on it, it has no mouth, uh, and it's just him kind of like perceiving things. Um, all of the dialogue that all of their interactions in that room and stuff are pulled directly from the short story. Um, so they're like word for word, essentially oh, like cool. the script of the oh, movie. Awesome. Um, and it's interesting because like literally the ent- every dialogue moment of the short story is included in the movie as part of their conversation and stuff. But that obviously doesn't fill out the runtime, which I thought was interesting is like they put everything from the story into the movie and then they just added everything else on top of it. Um, yeah, the only difference being that in the short story, the the grabber is like an overweight man who is a part time clown. Um, there's no mask in it or anything. Like a much more gacy. Yeah, much more yeah, gacy. Definitely, yeah. definitely more. Because I got a gacy, gacy vibe just from. Yeah. Well, they said like too is like the characters inspired by uh, Gacy, Dahmer, and there was else. one part in the movie that gave me. I was just like, oh, that's straight from Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, Dahmer's the only one that's had a victim almost escape. Exactly. That like, part he's the only one that away. someone got out right. of the neighborhood and yeah. he still caught them and brought them back. And home. talked right. to the cops. 
Yeah. You're like, oh, no, we're just having fun. He's a little drunk. We're going to yeah. take him back. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you crazy kids. He's got a that, hole in his that head. That actually yeah. happened. Yeah, that really happened. Totally did. Thank you, Wisconsin police. Yeah. yeah for doing, yeah. It's a whole, uh, it's a whole ordeal. But yeah, he goes through. Uh, so I, I, I randomly mentioned Tom Savini earlier. And you're probably wondering why. Um, but yeah, it's because the uh, the mask was designed by uh, Tom Savini. Yeah, he's like, oh, nice. yeah, yeah, prosthetic makeup artist and stuff. And, One uh, of the best. Um, special effects maker. Um, but yeah, the, the way the mask progressed throughout it is like when he he's trying to go and make like peace with Finny. He wears the mask that has the smile on right. it, right? And then like later on when he starts trying to play the the naughty boy game. Naughty boy. Yeah, which, which is, is so gross. <laughs> the fact so that they even really call it that. Um, don't play is, the naughty boy yeah, game. Yeah, and I thought and this is, you know, as we, mm. so we can kind of like flesh out like the whole character of the grabber in general too, because this is sort of one of the only other really complaints that I had about this movie. Um, as far as them, like if you're going to add, you know, you're trying to develop this short story into like, you know, a more developed, you know, plot and add elements to it uh, to, to really flesh it out as a horror movie. Um, there are the there's a couple of reviews that i've read that talk about how boring the serial killer is i don't know what you guys think about that it's the in the black phone yeah boring in the, movie. in the sense that like he doesn't ever really do anything like and his some people will, will criticize his character for being a little bit too flat as well it's like he he's a kidnapper and then we kind of start to get elements and hints of like other stuff that he wants to do or has done, but it's never really portrayed in the movie. Right. Like I think the whole, th the whole thing behind him. And I think why he could be called boring is because he, he's trying to get the kids to play the game and we don't actually get to see that. Yeah. We get to hear about it mm -hmm. and we get to see him trying like when he's sitting up top with a belt on and he has a sad face mask. Mm -hmm. She's like, Oh, so he's done this before he knows yeah. what he's trying to do. So we see, we see the product without seeing the process. Exactly. And I think because to, to that point, honestly, like, so over the course of watching this movie, you know, the not that like it's, you know, it's tough because like you, you, you want to like talk about the sensibilities of like filmmaking and stuff, but then also like what really elevates like especially a horror movie. Right. Um, but we get on screen violence in this movie, but it's committed by the dad. Right, that's really the only example. Of, I like, think that's what makes it and the great. kids like beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, that's the kids it. Yeah, exactly. The shit out of each like, other, right, but it's like as far as this, so it's like it's but it's interesting because yeah, as far as this character goes, maybe what they're trying to achieve is like you know the implication of what he has done or will right. do. But I think even something more, you know, you could still include like subtle cutaways or or inserts right. where well, you see you him could, really committing those. You acts. could, but he does. They don't. Yeah, for, I think like the thing with Scott Derrickson, he loves to do terror. Mm -hmm. Like he. I think he brings like the feeling he wants to put you in that space of the victim without mm. being like, here's all this blood and gore right. and everything. I mean, he does like, and you know, the, the parallels between like the grabber and his dad, mm -hmm. like we get to see actual violence that his dad does, but we yeah, don't the get belt, to right. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Is, like, I think that's the, the scariest part of the movie. That. It like, is. That's Honestly, the one that one stuck with me the most. jarring scenes yeah. that like is difficult to watch where the dad is, is yeah, is beating, you know, the daughter and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, and I, but I, that's what I mean is like, I think like, I don't know, as far as like the tension that I feel whenever in the scenes with the grabber and when he's in there with Finny, like, I know that like, we are meant to feel that tension and like see it, but it's like, because I don't, I had that already and I on screen, I don't see this character doing anything. It's like, I feel like he's less of a threat than some of the other people I've already yeah. seen. Yeah. Right. So it's kind it's, of like, it's weird the way it lands. It's like a big, it's a big show don't tell kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, he 
does kind of like talk a lot mm-hmm. and menace a lot, and mm-hmm. it's it's fine. You can do that. Obviously, they, like they did it in in other things, but and I think that the fact that his performance is so something. good is distracting. But this is like, the first mass character that he has that speaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bagul. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But and the other the other gripe that I would have with that is that like most of the terror that comes from like you know whenever Finny is in the basement and stuff, or even like the scenes that are intercut with that come from you know jump scares and like editing yeah. and everything. Um, which is supposed to set the tone of it, but like I always thought it was a little loose that he wasn't more like obsessive compulsive about the state of the like cell that right, Finney he's stays not going in. Down there and There's a whole him. bit where like Finney just pulls the giant metal grate off the yeah. wall, and I'm like, he never notices. And like yeah. this man is so invested, he's either built this room from scratch mm-hmm. or like fixed it. Well, that like why wouldn't he notice something um, like that? You know, uh, Bruce even says like, oh, I made no the. Uh, how we got into the, the meat. pinball kid. Yeah. 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 Pin, like, when he saw kid. what I had done. He, yeah. He spent yeah. a fortune fixing it. Yeah. He doesn't see that hole when he comes down. Yeah, next. Right. He doesn't, he doesn't seem to mind. Well, I guess the idea is that, so the, the entire uh, device by which uh, I guess Finney is, is sort of has his, his whole life is prolonged and stuff is the fact that um, the James Ransom character is there. Right. Uh, so his brother, uh, the kidnapper's brother is coming to crash on his couch. Right, but we don't find that out until like three, two thirds of the way through. That's true. And he menaces yeah. that kid for yeah. a middle, like a middle third there. So there's yeah. there's a period sleep. where they don't overlap. Doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't, look around yeah mm-hmm. there's just something i think like i kept expecting finney to take a beating mm-hmm. like more than he like more right. than they gave him yeah, yeah. um which maybe i i think it would have worked a little more in the, in the favor of the, the grabber is like yeah. seeing him being able to just like he does it once like just one hit ko after this he kid. Right. escapes but like we That's just we, he's not we don't see him be sadistic no in anything other than like uh, like vocally, like yeah. verbally. And the only way, other way yeah. I saw doing that would be, like I said, in because we have, you know, so we have editing wise the cutaways, right? Where right. through the device of uh, yeah. Gwen's dreams, we go back and see um, on that Super 8 footage the other kids getting like kidnapped and mm-hmm. stuff, which is really cool. And I thought that that was the opportunity to show, like, you know, them getting taken down to the basement and getting like. So this is actually a really good question. And mm-hmm. I, I come back to it sometimes when I watch some of these movies because mm-hmm. there's a line to be towed. Between at what point are you glorifying by just like showing how sadistic exactly. something yeah. like this can be versus so like this this movie's very uh victim focused. Right. Like every time we have a flashback, we're here we're seeing the victim's life. Mm-hmm. And it literally ends once we see like the black van right. and a very quick like kidnapping scene. Yeah. Um, which and to be fair to everyone, like kidnapping children is one of the harshest sensibilities. So you're not gonna make a movie torturing children and exactly. get away with right. being yeah. like well, it's just a horror movie, yeah, so it's it, hard to do. There's like such a line to be yeah, towed. So I think that's I'm why you showed the about belt, it. the belt scene. Yeah, because and that's the other thing. Yeah, so what I'm saying is like you you already include like you know obviously I'm like I'm conflicted because I'm like all right, well I don't necessarily want to see more on screen violence of these little kids or whatever. Right. But it's like right. you already crossed that threshold by having that scene of abuse where it's like you have that and you're almost like setting up that dad character as well. Yeah. You're like all right, well we're gonna come back to him and maybe he dies later. Right. Or something because you set up like right. the tension and you're like, well, this is here's an example of the situation we're putting these these characters in and we want to resolve it by the end of this movie. But that, yeah. you know, especially when you take into account the arc of the dad where it's like he doesn't there's not really any ever 
payoff of that. It's like his his son gets kidnapped, and then he f- seems to feel remorse about it. But by the end of the movie, that doesn't seem to almost measure up to the thing that we've seen him do on screen. Right? Yeah, essentially, too, the setup for his character is that because his wife died of these visions, he's terrified. He's he's terrified mm-hmm. of losing his kids, but he's also just like a horrible alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. and the his daughter having visions scares him. He even says mm-hmm. it. It's kind of like a little arc beat. Is like he acknowledges that I'm terrified of losing my daughter the same way I lost my wife, and that's why I so don't want you to have visions. Press. And I guess that's and in the, the same that, beat. That yeah, in the same beat, have. he gets to the point of like, okay, you're the only, like, then I'm going to let you have these visions, which I had hoped would be more of a source of tension in a lot of ways right. for the second part of this movie, which is yeah. the, I think the sister Gwendolyn trying to find her brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's the fact that the cops like, it, like pays off her. too easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. then but at, at the very end, whenever he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and gets on his knees and he's like kind of bowing before them and then she doesn't even like her her face changes when she's like hugging her brother yeah their whole style is like he's not even in their world anymore exactly yeah. like, they're like no it's just you and me from here which mm-hmm. to be fair too we're only getting the theatrical release and so like back to the point of the grabber i have to imagine they shot something of him yeah. just like burying a body right. or doing something else because yeah, they never hinted that he hid the it's bodies. an hour 48 like pretty tight, mm-hmm. and I do think there's some room to give on the non-grabber stuff. Sure. Like once once yeah. it happens, but I do think they I, there just seems to be a conscious decision not to like delve too deeply into this guy's psychology, mm-hmm. either because it's like you're going into a very dark corner, or just out of respect for I don't know. There's something there that seems a little respectful to me, but mm-hmm. it does make him a tame character. Because well, I think they, yeah. they they wanted. They wanted us to view the grabber as a uh, like the serial killer, child kidnapper, as the same way that you would if you only read it from the papers. Right. So we don't get a whole backstory behind him. We get we get shown by what Vinny sees, which is funny too because he has a brother. There's like right. James Branson's character is like a brother. Right. How and is he not crazy character? Why don't they interact? Not that I, yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. It's like I not that I I also oh, my, just want more James Branson on screen, but like I wanted to see what happens when he goes back upstairs and his brother's all coked out trying to figure out the investigation himself. Yeah, so his brother's like trying to solve the investigation of the missing children when Doesn't literally the, the grabber is his brother. They're yeah. like right. staying at the damn house. But I yeah. think they, they wash over that because he's, oh, he does cocaine. So he, he he's can't. He's unemployed and he's yeah. like wild. Yeah, which is fine. Like, I'm not, the but it's also two different houses. Is, is there, I'm like, yeah, this actually yeah. happens Yeah, that's life. a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of it too is where it, like the audience is like, we kind of, once we figure that out, we're like, what the hell? Why isn't, why mm-hmm. isn't this happening? So it makes the rug pull at the end that much more like, like oh. how does his brother not know that he has that other house across the street, directly across the street mm-hmm. from him? Right. That but that would be van. the only way it would make any sense. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing is that's the only way it makes sense because why you can't? There's just no way that this brother could stay at a house where a child is being held hostage yeah. in the basement. That's what I thought the whole and time. Like, I was like, that kid literally tunnels anything. through a fucking freezer where they store all their meat. I'm like, how has this guy not gone to get like a yeah. steak at some point? And I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> it's cocaine, man. Why is there yeah, dirt they in just the kind of off. I Yeah, yeah. Out. don't eat. He is, yeah, that brother is in the short story. He shows up, like, right at the very, like, that moment of, of him getting killed. So, like, in the movie, James Ransone's character comes downstairs briefly, opens the door, and he says, oh, shit, I knew there was something down here or whatever. And then immediately, Ethan Hawke, the grabber, comes up behind him and fucking tomahawks After him he's right like, in the Do you fucking hear skull. I've, you want to hear my theories? Yeah. Just... That is literally the line in the short story. And it's, like, and it's it's funny. But, yeah, I guess what they were trying to do is they're like, all right, well, how do we expand that out into, like, a little bit more of a character? I guess and... it's also, I have to give the movie credit. The movie's called The Black Phone. It's mm-hmm. not called the grabber. So, Fair. if we're being Ooh, honest, yeah. the movie's about, and it, it should be, is about 
Finney. Yeah, it's about the, the 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 victims, like you said. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so more... I damn, I've just convinced myself full circle. I didn't need to know anything else about the grabber. I'm yeah. like, you yeah. know what? He served his purpose. Perfectly good justification. You're right. Like, and the idea is about like this this thing and like going back through and and him building the relationship with all the former with all the other victims and right. stuff. And then giving him very like the ways that they tried to escape, which ultimately culminate in him building a Rube Goldberg, you know, yeah, um, yeah, which is so satisfying. That was cool. That was cool. It pays off in the end. Yeah, essentially, so ambitious. He beats the shit out of that guy. Why didn't he use the the toilet top? Exactly, or break one of the. Sprite bottles, and anything, like cut his anything or other than put dirt there. in a phone. I think yeah. I think that's like a great sign of a of a Rube Goldberg machine is you're like gaming it out yourself. Yeah. You're like, yeah. how would I have done this better? Yeah, which is so fun because then you're like, okay, well the answer is way easier yeah. than that. And you're and like, also, I don't know if I were trapped in a basement, I'd probably like a ghost told me to put fo- like yeah. a dirt in a phone. I'd do what it said. It's a ghost. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a and ghost. The You've been here the before. Yeah, exactly the way it happens in the book, like that's exactly what happens. There's only one ghost that's in, the cool. book, in the short story, and it's Bruce Yamada, and he says you had the, the tool in your hand the whole time like get some dirt and put it in there um yeah and beat him senseless with it his arm is mint yeah his arm is mint yeah that line was, was so, cute. so good yeah your so satisfying mint, yeah. yeah also like we talked we talked about like how we didn't see a lot of violence from the grabber himself but we actually see most of the violence other than from the dad from the kids yeah so That's my violent. note is There's the kids so beat violent. the shit out this of the each first other whenever scene of violence is uh robin just wailing on moose yeah and then just uh, the the sister knocking some dude in the head with a when rock. When that happened, I thought that they were gonna have a whole beat of like she accidentally kills that kid. Because they he, played he it like that. Gushing he blood. gushes blood, and he's just like, he's like, I think like catatonic. Yeah, that is like, like yeah. one of my favorite beats. Is she gets like they kick her in the fucking mouth. Yeah, and, and then she's she kind of like out. lost a tooth, and they both just sit against the yeah. fence, just like, oh man, yeah, this was a rough one. This, this is where you go. You go, you go sit <laughs> yeah. on the bench. Yeah, you just like got tagged in capture the flag. Yeah, go sit and wait for your team. Shit. Sorry yeah. about your blood. Yeah, I bashed your, there, your like, skull in. So yeah. <laughs> here you go. Um, but yeah, like overall, the, the 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 look and feel of this movie though is still really. We, we've talked about the like, Super Eight like uh, footage device, but like as they go back and forth between uh, Finney and uh, Gwen's dreams and everything, the Super Eights serve as like how we know that we're in her dream and her yeah. vision, seeing like the uh, the kidnapping of the other children and everything. Um, it's just like the whole device in Sinister where yeah. you know, all the murder It's kind of videos, his motif. Yeah. Um, Which I was laughing because I was like, Scott Derrickson might be like the uh, the current expert on shooting home style right. like, movies like that. You think he's, he's doing done that it practically twice. or you, you don't think it's just like a complete editing, compositing thing afterwards? I don't know. I, if, this think is kind of weird. Following him I mean, on I Twitter. I like that idea. I like the idea of him going around with an actual Super 8 camera, developing that and digitizing it just for the purpose of including those cutaways. It's going to sound weird, but following him on Twitter, I would think he does. Yeah. I think he's a practical kind of guy. Like that kind of stuff too, It's the whole point is you can do it by hand. So yeah. it's like, right. yeah, you need the right like person who knows how to load film and, and do mm-hmm. all that. But like at the end of the day, you're just setting up like action and just kind of rolling. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty is his, his shooting style too. It's like very like run and gun. Like it should be a home movie. So he's like, yeah. if we Felt can like fuck up, movie. like yeah. the whole point is that I'm just going to tell some kids to play baseball or whatever, and then mm-hmm. we're going to go film it. Right. Um, the only things he does, like the stage scenes are the big ones. Like yeah. uh, the like getting into a fight in a right. gas station because he lost at 7-Eleven. Like, that's all shot that way. Breaking and that makes knife. me wonder if that was shot native or if they converted it into, like hmm. made it look that way. Yeah. Because some of the stuff is montage. Like um, uh, some of the early scenes that she has Bruce. visions of, they're just montages. Yeah, Bruce's family. Like that was just yeah, like, and that's him just as like a baby. That's just like just kid. line up some family members and right. just like go film it. And it then felt you're like set. A, it felt like a home movie of 
uh, Bruce's family, right? Rather than like a vision of hers, which is kind of the it's kind of the that goal. The point. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, like, I, she's I'm saying that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and your stupid idea. You're a genius. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> yeah, that's funny because yeah. So uh, you want to hear uh, my theories? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Brett, the black phone Brett was Chukovitz? a way for them to get the ghost in. Yeah. Right. Uh, Brett Chukovitz is the the principal cinematographer on this one. He's actually like. Uh, uh, there's a, a movie called Ready or Not that uh, is Love really, really good too. Um, that he's the main cinematographer on, as well as like doing a couple of uh, episodes of Stranger Things. Um, yeah. This is actually the first time they've worked together. Uh, they didn't. He wasn't on for like you know Doctor Strange or anything. Um, but uh, Brett Chukovitz has a lot of other credits uh, going back to you know like in horror and everything else. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. Like that guy Brett is also working on the new Scream movies too. Oh, cool! Um, I haven't seen the la- the latest yeah, one. He's he did the he did the most recent one and then the sequel Scream Six that's coming out too. Oh, um, so he'll be on both of those. <laughs> this should be this should be a trilogy. It should be you scream and then I scream and, and then we all scream yeah. and then the, like a, a special fourth one for ice cream. Just how have how have they not just, done that already? Yeah. God, it's it. right I, I there. Got first thirty pages right yeah, here. Yeah, call me now, Dimension. I have your ideas for you. Yeah, <laughs> so next strange things yeah <laughs> i don't know i think it was the first stranger, uh, screen came before i mean it, technically yeah stranger things started before the 84 yeah yeah yeah, yeah it would have been out already um yeah with the, oh the cinematography stuff that's like the the way that they I, w- I was pretty happy with the way they did the ghosts and stuff throughout mm-hmm. the movie um you had to have one bendy kid yeah, one yeah, bendy Scott, guy. Scott Derrickson movie. Yeah, he was like floating around. Yeah, like just like Scott like, Derrickson did. It reminded me of Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, yeah, which is also a uh, also a Scott Derrickson flick. And then Sinister with the kid, like yeah, yeah. Trevor. Yeah, yeah. Trevor. 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 Fuck Trevor. Trevor. Fuck Trevor. Did we talk about the band that he's in? I think we might have brought it up in the Sinister. We talked so that we did. Well, we talked Scott about Derrickson? it. Scott Derrickson. No, uh, there's the kid who plays Trevor in uh, Sinister. That's pretty good. Yeah, he uh, he's Not in bad. a band. Uh, man, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. It's like Lemon something. Yeah, Lemongrass or like some Lemon Twist. Lemon, lemon Twigs. Lemon Twigs. There it is. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, they're yeah they're actually really good. Circle oh, gets their the whole square. Album, like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It, and like fuck Trevor the character, the yeah, actor. That kid. Go, he's cool. Doing good. Yeah. Um, good drummer yeah the the only ones that like the there was a couple of of moments in this where i was kind of like annoyed by the jump scares the first one being like like the, when the ghosts show up they could have they it started out being really subtle or had the the chance to be really subtle where but like just the fucking stingers dude they like, go heavy on the stingers one of them just it was like sheer force of will it scared the crap out of me yeah it was like they just really wanted to scare you yeah Paper ball. I, I like i kind of was like eh, i respect yeah. the thunder i got thunderstruck yeah. whenever like uh is the last jump scare they when did. she's biking yeah that's the like, one I, that's yeah. the one i lost it yeah. i was like whoa it's yeah. like that was really good they all show up at the same time like, yeah. on the street in front of the house where everybody's being kidnapped uh, but i agree like they it's kind of funny because they're not they're not evil ghosts they're right. just scary ghosts. They're just, yeah they're just well, i think one might have been evil the pinball kid right but that guy had a lot of pent-up <laughs> rage he had, he had it coming it's yeah. just funny because uh i laughed at this because i was like man i'm so used to watching movies where ghosts are the bad guys yeah yeah it's very 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 rare that they're just like an element mm-hmm. you know what i mean for our main character to get out of something right so they're yeah. like yeah they're horror but they're also not like there to kill our character so we actually we're just scared of their appearance we're not actually scared of their intentions right and so like if i see a ghost uh oh i hurt myself there yeah sorry about that no you're good if i see a ghost my initial thought is just that like oh it's gonna kill our character but this time i'm like oh i'm not gonna see any ghosts to kill our character are you good travis do you need anything no you're good sorry okay 
You're good. I like hadn't been hearing myself, and then yeah. I saw I my levels why. blowing up, and then I was like, "Well, <laughs> no. he's it's fine." Yeah, I realized why, and I fixed it. Okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's and that that's the other thing is like I think I don't know like it. Uh, yeah. That that's the only reason that I kind of like was left wanting more of a like a like a full circle connection between like I don't know, but like yeah. you said, this movie's about the black phone. It's also not about Gwen. That's not about being a, a medium gift, you know, right? Or whatever. Well, it's that's clever. The yeah, the movie's yeah. about the uh, is about Finney. The mm-hmm. black phone is the novelty um, like mechanism, mm-hmm. and so it's called the black phone because that's a really great thing. But also, the movie's about Finney and not so much Gwen. Yeah, which was like yeah. It's, that was a question. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You're right. You're right. You're right. It, it, it's almost. It's just that. Like, I, I kind of like almost wish that, like, on the side that uh, she had been like, like she didn't need to be clairvoyant. Like, if it was almost right. like her just running around, like looking for clues and stuff, and just doing the Scooby Doo thing. Well, then she'd um, be just like the grabber's brother. Yeah, that's fair. That's but like, is, better at it because she's a kid in a yeah, sneaking ish thing. If she's and, like, gonna not be clairvoyant. Adult. I need to see more pushback. Yeah, I, that's what I think. Is I I have a the suspicion is her that, relationship with the father was was initially written out more. Right. Um, and then they had to shorten it for either for clarity's sake, time's sake, or just like we don't, we just can't get there mm-hmm. in the amount of time we have or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I really thought he was going to be a bigger antagonist than he was. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's, that's and I big... tied it directly to um, Gwendolyn's visions. Yeah, and the other thing about like the fact that you know one of the weaker, I guess, like I try not to like talk too much about like plot points or like plot holes and stuff because I I prefer just like. I don't know. There's a whole point of like you're watching a fictional story, and like I hate when people like try to point out plot holes as like okay. If they don't occur, we're gonna to you, get to this because this it. is my biggest complaint about okay. horror movie people. Tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> we got to go down this rabbit hole real yeah. fast with me. Um, but so I got to talk about marketing. So when you market a movie, you have to boil it down to like it's two sentences, right? The black phone, great for marketing. A mm-hmm. uh, kid gets kidnapped. The ghosts of dead kids call him through a phone, like. Cool. That's a two two sentence hook. You could Who probably you call? sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like all these other things. But uh, then you get the movie, and you're like, well, it's kind of a thriller, serial killer, coming of age, like all sorts of wackiness. Um, how do you market that to audiences? And you have to boil that movie down. And so, in the marketing for this film, we're getting uh, sinister vibes, mm-hmm. like more like people are going to die. This crazy man in a mask is doing really spooky things and we're going to see. So I worry a lot because I think like horror people, when they see that marketing, they've been tuned to think of the mechanism, like the horror mechanism. So saw people think, Oh, cool like traps yeah um people for who sure. see like who see ghost movies are like great cool ghost stuff mm-hmm. same thing for black phone is they see ethan hawk in a mask and he's really only in like 40 percent yeah 50 percent of the movie yep. if you really total if you total up doing screen those time, things yeah, yeah. the majority he, he's in the shadows too he's yeah. killing it on performance but it is like i said like making the most with so little mm-hmm. so they're marketing this movie and selling it on Ethan Hawke in a creepy mask, right? True. Like, remember the True. ads you probably yeah. saw, the trailers. Yeah. It's all that the, one the shot of him doing the finger. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm doing the finger yeah. thing. And that's really. great. Yeah. That is really good marketing yeah. stuff. That's it's like a, the, the, you know, the, the company that had to promote this was so glad they had these strong images. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but then you're like, I want to see that movie. It, yeah, yeah, it's a mislead. Yeah. And so one of the notes, I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was like, I, and she was like, I don't really like the movie that much. Um, and horror people, a lot of them, the really like 
even the like armchair ones will walk into horror movies and they really just want to have like their their absolute mind blown. They like true. And either they want to see someone get like disemboweled egregiously and like thrown on a crucifix, mm-hmm. or they want to see like the spookiest possible thing. Right. And I laugh because it's like fixating on the mechanic and not the actual like storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it's no fault of the movie. We've seen the movie true. and we agree like there's a strong narrative there. The mm-hmm. the yeah. Finney story is great. It works. Um, but people kind of, and then they start to lose interest in that and mm-hmm. fail to see the success of it because they're like, well, Ethan Hawke wasn't scary enough. Yeah. Or it's, he didn't like disembowel. He didn't hack off a limb before. But he did. Right. We were told that he did. Yeah, right. Maybe off screen. And like, so her note was like, I don't believe uh, that a teenage boy could, like, I don't think kids could have done this. Yeah. And I don't think it was very practical. And I'm like, that's not the point. Yeah. That's, that's they not even the, say that in the movie. Yeah. That, yeah. That's not the issue for me. Like, because what you're getting at is actually really interesting. But this is different from the point that I was going to make. But it, it reminds me of like, how because what you're saying about the whole the, the presentation of this movie leading up to it's being it's released and stuff and how that can actually that can go a couple of different ways like you can use marketing as a tool right and then also and like use that to serve to elevate the movie too and one thing i'm thinking of like a couple of examples are like like malignant for instance right right we talked about uh we talked about that at the i haven't of seen series. it so please don't ruin it i have more what are you doing okay. today but like <laughs> without without you know going too into it or spoiling anything like that movie was marketed very much you know, it's James Wan and they marketed it as a straightforward, almost like, you know, this is like a J-horror haunting, right. like you're going to get a by the books, like haunting right. movie that's going to be really good. And I think one of the great things about that movie and why it was sort of elevated, especially in the weird moment in which it right. came out, is yeah, yeah. that it completely subverts that expectations, but in a way is that so is good. completely, it meant to be subversive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like he knew what he was doing. First is what you're talking about, which I think is a very good point, especially about within the horror community. Like, and I, I don't know. Like I, I knew about the story and I knew what was going to happen in the movie before yeah. going into it. But that being said, I almost, you know, I, I was going into it with the expectation of them elevating the original elements. Of yeah, that so you're story. like one in a million, Travis. Yeah, I love you. A, that's like that's what makes you special, bud. You yeah, did the homework. Yeah, and that's but that, and that's <laughs> he that's did. unfair. He does, yeah. yeah, but that's unfair is because like I, you know, the movie should be able to be itself and stand alone. Yeah. You should be able to consume it that way. Um, which is a really cool point. The only thing what I was going to say is like, like I said, I try not to harp too much on plot points. Like you said about somebody being like, well, right. why didn't he just like stab him with the Coke bottle or like a little kid right. wouldn't be able to suffocate a guy. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, I don't, that, those aspects of it don't bother me as much, but it's like, there's a, there's a, there's a threshold beyond which like you have difficulty suspending your disbelief. Right. Right. The main one for me in this movie was like the cops are like, hiring Gwen on payroll like yeah. they immediately yeah. go to her because she told a friend that she about had a dream about black balloons right which are a big thing in this movie yeah. so one of the first scenes of this movie are the cops like viciously interrogating her good cop uh, bad cop they did that and yeah. she's like fuck off fart knocker she says fuck you fucking cop fart knockers yeah. and I was like Gwen is a badass for one thing but yes. also these cops are where did, what, what universe do they live in where like they're consulting her as like an actual like, right it's, what you know, suburb of Denver has police so like mystified by even in the Seventies uh, abductions that they were. It just reminded me like an old yeah, okay. cop movie. You got the retired cop. He's like, I'm going back for one more. Like, well, we obviously can't figure this out. So let's go talk to this like twelve year old real quick. Right. Yeah. To the point that like the the movie ends. The resolution of the plot is her telling them where the house is, and then and they just immediately go. going there. Yeah. And yeah, she showed like, up first on her bike. Yeah. She's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll head you guys off, Jodie Foster style, and right, like, which yeah. would have been a cool whole different uh, ending sequence, but. Um, it just bugs me a little bit that they like walk in and they're like, I want to have my nips blown by how like insane, spooky, like vicious this movie is. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, how did you, how did, 
I wish you didn't walk in with those expectations so you could have like a, just like a, how did it feel? Like, yeah. How did it feel to you? Yeah. Let the movie tell you how it wants you to feel about it. And I, it's probably unfair to ask anyone is like going yeah. completely cold to a movie. But I just think uh, even casual horror viewers have these like, have these kind of demands they've started to build up. And I don't know, I'm not going to point any fingers. I'm not going to be like, it's this movie's fault or this yeah. franchise's fault. But I do think like, it's the industry. Everybody just, needs yeah. to just take a step back and chill out. Like just, just enjoy go to a movie. movie. If you're going to go see a movie, tell yourself, I'm going to have fun. Yeah. That's your expectation. Yep. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel that, then yeah, you probably had a bad time. But like, that's what I did with malignant. Like, yeah. I knew yeah. going into it, like, all right, this is, this looks just like a normal James Wan, like spooky, thing and then i watched the first scene i was like this is gonna be fun as shit yeah it's gonna be awesome well like like if people this is like horror people watch the first 30 minutes of black phone and like oh my god we spent so much time learning about their home life why Mm. did we net why do i have to learn about their abuse we're the killings i got it in one he drinks a lot of beer and beats people and you're like i just want to see ethan hawk and you're Mm. like okay well you know, this is about emotion. They're laying down the tracks for Finn doesn't stand up for himself. Mm-hmm. He cares about his sister and like all these things happen. Um, or like, you know, like why didn't we see more vicious like violence? Well, why didn't he kill Robin on screen? Like yeah. stuff like that. And you're like, that's not the point. Like yeah. they had other story to tell. And yeah. I wish you wouldn't like fixate on the wrong things because mm-hmm. I feel like it's, I don't know. It misaligns people's judgments of movies. Cause I think the black phone suffered a little bit. I think it's good enough. It'll last in theaters. Like it'll have a steady, a, run. a yeah. steady support. It was in the smaller um, theater when we went to go see it. Well, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's also a, a bad yeah. release. It's a sandwich between a really bad release. The they got, guns, which yeah, is interesting. Yeah, which they, no one know, predicted minions would do what it did. <laughs> Cause who can predict a meme? Yeah. But yeah. To I mean, come in Jared after a meme weekend like Minions and then go into a weekend of Thor, which my theater was like everyone was going to see yeah. Thor. Yeah. And also Top Gun's still like fucking having a I still haven't seen yeah. Top Gun. It has, it's and Top Gun dumb. just won't stop, won't it quit. It won't. It just keeps fucking going. Like to that point, it's interesting because this was originally scheduled to be uh, released way earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, and they test they, readings. They notably wanted to push it back. They liked the it summer. enough to mm-hmm. push it to the summer, which means they really yeah. believed in it. Yeah. And it hasn't huh. done bad. Like it's done right. great. Like it, Scott Derrickson, honestly, he's got a fucking great return on investment for all of his movies yeah um yeah this, this was cost? a 16 million dollar move 16 to 18 million dollar movie and it's yeah. already made 82 million back yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's helpful got- too because you have that counter programming so mm-hmm. one of the reasons they do that stuff like minions might release the same Fair. weekend as black phone is because every person who thinks audiences. like jesus christ i don't want to see a child movie yeah gonna go is gonna this. go see black phone you're right it's yeah. the only thing that's out that's not top gun yeah yep. exactly um at, at like by word of mouth by major motion picture like by any theater you go to you're like well i can see one of these three and i really am tired of hearing about top gun mm-hmm. it's the only horror movie that's out right right yeah right now and I mean, they'll do that in the summertime they'll literally yeah. drop it counter to a very popular one so that yeah. countercultural audiences We'll see it, and because they know that a lot of uh, superhero movies, if they're not like A plus stuff, mm-hmm. after the first weekend it'll drop off. Yeah, and then those audiences will get curious. What else is there to see? And they might go back and see the Black Phone, which is in its second weekend or third weekend. Yeah, and so my hope is that it gets a little bit of a lift because Thor is kind of running out of B plus on Cinema yeah, Score, it's not it's which really isn't bad. It's not bad. No, it's just not right. It's just that for Marvel movies, like it's if it's not perfect and not fucking blow, well, blowing, how, making records yeah. every time. Now it's like you know, right. It's Doctor um, Strange. Sunday oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it was like a macro view and yeah, I was yeah. an idiot. Uh, so 
keeping in line with the conversation about like marketing and how it can fit in, like elevate or enhance or you know kind of may, maybe tarnish the reception right. of a movie. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I think that like the biggest takeaway from that is understanding the fact that film in itself is so inextricably like tied to the pop culture relationship that the yeah. film actually has with people. It has and to. I mean, there's just no choice. Yeah, for for good or for worse, that's just the way it is. And I think that like good filmmakers and good you know unfortunately like it, it sucks but you know production is part of the art form and it's that's that's part of production is yeah. advertising and marketing and so that can contribute to and like in sometimes in famous ways like you know going all the way back to the Blair Witch Project right where right. it's you know you see movies the first like, example of real viral yeah. level mm-hmm. marketing where it's you know you're, it's, you're you can't top that Birdemic had a similar kind of campaign <laughs> I'm not kidding this guy went to Sundance and mm-hmm. like painted a bunch of cars with like fake bird's blood and mm-hmm. told people to watch Birdemic yeah they were all like what is Birdemic which is an aspect yeah, of it. it's people like asking questions yeah like, I think Cloverfield did the same thing that's a great example of a marketing campaign no title yeah just found footage uh statue of liberty head mm-hmm. yeah questions abound we a need a couple to years know. after 9 exactly. and then cloverfield on a billboard that's it mm-hmm. what what is this movie and then yeah. everything on the website with the the fake uh slushy yeah uh, campaign that was going on. Yeah, it, you have to like, think. Like, I, I so much of it is like hard. it's like performance yeah. art. Without okay, so yeah. can, fuck you, marketers and advertisers. I understand that your job is important, but also it's really annoying. But that being Guerrilla said, it's like yeah, yeah. But it's, marketing. It is marketing. yeah, it, in the sense that it is somewhat of a performance art that is is tied so closely to the actual product that's being put out, which is which is a great film or right. know, a film. Um, which some marketing has killed movies mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it's like no one wants to see. It. Like period pieces are the hardest to sell, mm-hmm. and you like you're you're thinking about who's the audience that I sell this to? Because mm-hmm. that's that's the game, right? There's money, there's money no matter what. Yeah. So the game is who do I sell this to? The black phone. I sell it to people who love horror, who don't want to see minions, and are not interested in <laughs> Thor. Which there's like now you have leverage because people are getting superhero fatigue. So mm-hmm. you're like, we actually have a decent shot at making our budget and then some on the same like going into a second weekend against right. Thor. Like and then a third weekend because I don't know maybe no one will want to see Thor after the first weekend, right? Um, but the like more complex things, things that do not boil down easily, are harder to sell. Yeah. Um. So like uh, uh like lots of like Wes Anderson easy to sell. He's a brand. Yeah. Like that's just yeah. like a style you're going to right, see. Yeah. French Connection, all that stuff. All he's like everybody knows what they're dispatch. getting into. The French Dispatch. Yeah. French Connection French is Connection, uh, Gene Hackman. Yeah, that's <laughs> also one of the best. Yeah. But what if? Yeah. So, what oh if, my god! What if, what if Wes Anderson <laughs> directed the French Connection? <laughs> That'd be amazing. There's SNL did a bunch of jokes that's like skits. That's like, what if Wes Anderson directed? And it was like X Men or a horror. There's I'm a Wes Anderson horror, horror, horror movie, movie with Owen Wilson. God damn. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. God, if, um, I just uh, oh, where, like that. They they did like SNL did a skit yeah. based on that. But so, it would be well. It yeah. would just be uh, fucking... SNL though. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, okay. So, so like a great example against this is The Irishman is a three hour, three and a half hour movie. Netflix just let Martin Scorsese do whatever they want. And that is like as much a meditation on like growing old as it is a mafia movie. Right. Um, and so like, what do you do with three? First off, how do you convince someone to watch three and a half hours? Because that's the biggest possible ask ever. You say Scorsese, Pesci, De Niro. Right. But you're only pitching to a very niche audience yeah. like who do, who aren't really as much on board with the long form television thing right. anymore and like right and people who kind of scoff that's uh, a whole other debate but like people who kind of scoff at watching anything longer than like 50 minutes sometimes yeah. like the attention span of but a netflix watcher yeah. is well, look, yeah, look at uh, stranger diluted. things i think they 
They play right? around with that concept. Well, they have with, to now. Yeah. Okay, so business-wise, they have to because yeah. every other streamer releases weekly, and so now they have mm-hmm. to mess with their episodes to get – like they have to compete. They don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Here's the first part of season four. Right. You second made. part is two episodes, but one of them is a movie. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're so a, far in the weeds. I'm so hours. sorry I dragged yeah. us into this. No, that's cool. We're we're, we're about to just it's talk the about mechanics of. Yeah. Uh, it's just this thing. I'll cap it off. I just want to reiterate. I think like horror fanatics get sold on the on the on the thing. The like uh, the MacGuffin. I like this idea that especially specific to horror and the way the that MacGuffin. this gets happened. Yeah, yeah. Like they get that. sold yeah. on the MacGuffin, and I care as a person, and it's not fair to anyone, but I do care more that your story makes me feel away mm-hmm. and the black phone did it. And I think is getting it and like short. deserves more praise than it's getting right? because some people think it's underbaked, but I think some people might've walked in expecting more of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's easier to feel like, okay, well, you know, like Ethan Hawke's character was just so underdeveloped mm-hmm. and there's points that I agree, but also mm-hmm. things I'm like, but it's not about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not called the grabber. Like you said, yeah. it's called the black phone. And, I, and I will agree. Like the, the, the emotional resolution at the end of this movie hits like a ton of bricks. Like yeah. It does. And like when, when he, you, at the end of that movie, like you, yeah, you tear up throughout the movie. That's whenever, the thing is people yeah. talk about like, well, Ethan Hawke was underwhelmed. I'm like, yeah, but mm-hmm. you probably felt incredible at the very end when he nails the grabber. Mm-hmm. Like when Mason Timms' character, when exactly. Finney gets it, Tim you're Tim like James so excited that he escapes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, everyone. Mm-hmm. But you're. But that's the point. Is, <laughs> if, that's, if you haven't seen the movie, you shouldn't be listening to this. That's yeah. the driving point is he grow, like he comes of age by going, he survives this tragedy and that's what we care about. He and believes like, in himself. They executed that perfectly. Mm-hmm. I felt exactly how they wanted me to feel, all Ethan Hawke performances aside. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I'm like, well... You know, was did it add or subtract from that point having Ethan Hawke be less intimidating or mm-hmm. more? And it, it didn't. It didn't it factor added. it either way. I'm like, you know what? It didn't change the equation in some ways. Because the only thing it did. He does was, so much without Ethan Hawke. Yeah. The only thing. The only thing you would say like, that well, it would yeah, do exactly. is like make it less or more of a horror movie, which is right. a different conversation. Is I, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like how much of this is a suspense thriller versus how much of it is a which horror is funny because King fans do this all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're always talking about the mechanic. Why are you point at me? Like, just... I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no one can see me. I'm doing yeah. the like old man like. He's just he's these giving kids, a wagon. But, that like like clapping around. like yeah, they do this all the time i yeah. do they, they but like every king story is known for its mechanic and mm-hmm. i realized that king is the reason he's so good is because he's good at telling stories mm-hmm. like yes he created the idea of what if a teenage girl had psychic powers and murdered everyone because they mm-hmm. were bullies the through line is we care because it was a teenage girl getting bullied and then what do we see in the first third of this movie yeah is, the whole yeah it's just teenage kids getting bullied yep. and like all yeah. this stuff they're human mechanics with a very like grotesque or horrifying plot, but a lot mm-hmm. of us have also been through. Mm-hmm. Exactly, super relatable. Yeah. No one, none of us have ever like truly, I don't know, had ghosts call us on our cell phone or something. Wow. Well, but I can. There was this time. So it's like funny you to call me. Call a number and a ghost talks. It's forest yeah. for the trees. I'm like, right. okay, the tree is a black, fo- like a you know a, a grabber, a man in a mask, a great mask, and like all the other elements work. Masks masks but uh but like i care i care about finney that's mm-hmm. the story we're telling yep and uh i it's i know people like it's such a almost elitist thing to say because there's so much of like i have the the ability to say like i care about story more yeah, than yeah. anything else an average person walks into a movie they just want to be scared and things that scare them are well, blood and yeah. guts and right. menace and violence mm-hmm. and you get a little bit of that but through the kids yeah you, you get don't enough get it through of the, it yeah apparently. you don't get it right. necessarily through the villain you get yeah. i mean we see the one like you know, 
kid hanging upside down and shit. Mm-hmm. And we know that this person that that I think that's the beauty of the horror in this movie. It's kind of like Jaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you don't necessarily have to see it, right? But you're mm-hmm. told about it, and, or not. You're told and shown in multiple ways. Yeah. Which adds to the horror of like every time this guy comes down the stairs or you hear him coming down the stairs, you get that tension. You get that like, oh shit. All right. What's happening? Yeah. He's going to give me eggs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Scrambled eggs. There's a lot of eggs in this movie. Yeah. He loves so eggs and Sprite. scrambled eggs. That's yeah. pretty much all he's got is eggs and Sprite. I watched and him Sprite. like pick yeah. up scrambled eggs off the ground. Well, was, was that like, the most unsettling oh, part of the movie? I don't Just like the, that. Also <laughs> the... the, the the, what is it not not filigree the the noise that it makes the foley work Fo- the foley work yeah, yeah just the filigree work the filigree. Yeah. <laughs> so many fucking great plants. gold engravers <laughs> yeah um yeah i think you know i i agree with you on, on most of those points the only the only thing that i would say like to push back like but it's it, fair i do yeah, think there's some accuracy you're to absolutely saying right he's a little underbaked yeah you're absolutely right but the only thing that i would say like uh, opposed to that would be like you know um i could see people wanting a story that is not this story is also very by the books it's just, it's yeah. not something that is is trying real like there's if you're going to introduce these cool horrific elements and have stuff like that in your story uh to, to make it not just a coming of age story because it's like if i want to watch a coming of age you know like story yeah. about a young kid who achieves you know who fights his demons and ends up winning in the end like there's a lot of that so yeah. it's like so if i'm gonna go see a horror movie i, yeah, I right? wanna yeah i want something to contribute or use that and then use that and elevate it with something else which yeah. would be the only thing that i would i would push back on but no, i think I, everything you said was absolutely and, right. and it's probably i mean i think it's just fair to say like people just feel what they feel yeah. and uh they probably got sold on scary ethan hawk and walked mm-hmm. away being like I feel like I could have taken him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like oh, we yeah. all probably walked away. That like, being said, he's that scene, one act. when he has balloons. his shirt off, like he's Ethan Hawke is kind of jacked in this movie. He's, he's probably uh, Northman jacked. That's fair. Like he was yeah. probably oh, still you're Northman, right. Northman jacked. You're yeah. right. Like Viking. Not like not like classically ripped, not yeah. like gross six pack. Like like eighties dad bod like, like yeah. strong. He's picking up so many like, kids. He's gonna exactly. You got some, some seventy pounds at a time. <laughs> he, <laughs> he kidnapped a seventeen year old in that movie. He I did. was like, holy, holy shit, shit, that's he a big up move. Baby Robert Plant. I yeah. want to see that. And that kid's a baseball player. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Or, uh, no, Yamada. That's right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And the fucking pinball kid who yeah. was who was a kid. nightmare. Yeah, yeah. He he took on two kids at the same time, but couldn't take on the. Well, I guess. Whippets. Finny had Finny Home Alone'd him. I mean, Whippets. Yeah. Also. Yeah. And no, the, I'm just saying for the grammar the story, to take the pinball uh, No, I just wanted to bring up Whippets. Yeah. Whippets. Thoughts. Ideas. In the story, it's Wasp Killer. Uh, I actually missed that. I think I was looking away or eating, taking a bite of my it's when delicious he, he vegan like burger. He sprays it directly in his mouth whenever he pulls him into the van. Yeah. I thought it was and Whippets because he was. He was. It's some aerosol. I mean, it's essentially yeah. like early form Whippets, yeah. designed to like knock you the hell out. Yeah, it's the good shit. It blinds him. Is, is the main thing. <laughs> Your yeah. words, not mine. <laughs> FDA, anyone? FBI, CIA, anyone listening? Get him. Uh, Sell it at Walmart. <laughs> I think I say, yeah, I think I, we I think we all liked it. And I, I think I think you should I, go, I think you should go it. see this movie. I yeah, would absolutely. recommend it and yeah. I'm gonna get so annoyed when everybody walks away like it wasn't as scary as I was expecting. <laughs> I'm like that's not the point. It's like, do you want Halloween kills or do you want like a good Yeah, horror do you want John what did they call it? Halloween I saw kills someone your example for something John scary Michael Myers Wick. Halloween kills is my example of like here's It's a great the, example of like spectacle. Yeah, run in the middle. Here's yeah. a bunch of like slash. Like, do you want to see a slasher or do you want to actually feel terror yeah. and horror? Yeah, oh, I yeah. think the like the that 2018 Halloween did did the best of both. I I yeah. love that one yeah. of that. 
I think that the one Danny holds. McBride. The yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he like talks about getting a bon me, he's like, "What's a bon me? <laughs> it's just a sandwich. <laughs> it's a sandwich with some radishes." And then they get slaughtered by Michael freaking Myers. I fucking love so it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, maybe we'll get to that movie here eventually. Um, so well, talking about other movies yeah. that you guys saw and that you enjoyed, uh, is there anything else you guys have seen recently that you think other people should watch or absolutely not watch? Absolutely not watch. There's a something whole, you hated. Like we can. What's something you hated? Out. I want to hear about that. Something I hated. <laughs> no, I, I, you can say that. That's fair. Yeah, I don't hate anything. I, yeah. I just think it either works or it doesn't. Yeah, something you didn't. There's a lot of Hulu picks. Yeah, I'm just like I'll start ten minutes and be like, nope. Yeah, it's done. But something from Hulu that I absolutely love. Only Murders in the Building. Hey. That is, I cannot request that. I love seeing Steve Martin. Yeah. So good. And Martin Short. Martin Short, yeah. I, like, it reminds Selena me Steve Gomez. Martin is one of the goats. Yeah. Oh, he is the, like. It, like it's cool to see him in something like yeah. that, He's a master where you class, can kind of tell, yeah. to, like, he doesn't have to make that show, but he, like, you're like, oh, he, he likes this. He wants to yeah. be in the so show. He even makes like, fun of himself. Yeah. But that's Fun story. I'm sharing this second party, because I listen to a podcast um, by screenwriters interviewing screenwriters, and they talk to the showrunner for Only Murders. And they asked him because it's a comedy show. That, so, like, you know, how much do the actors give, like, improv lines, like little, like, uh, punchlines? Mm-hmm. And he was laughing because he's like, you know, uh, each actor has a different process. He's like, I email the scripts, and 20 minutes later, Martin Short calls me and has, like, he wants to talk about his scenes. Like, I have all these uh, thoughts and ideas, and how can we <laughs> work on this? That's also his character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, selena gomez feels it out she's mm-hmm. like he's like they get to there the day of and she'll they'll do a scene and she'll kind of be like ah this doesn't feel right like how do we fix this which is fine it's great um and then he said steve martin sends a one-line email that just says got it <laughs> <laughs> like it's just being emails like cool got the scripts so he's oh, like yeah. it's kind of nerve-wracking because i just go there like i hope steve liked it that's like that's his that's his comedy style it's just so yeah. ingrained into his character it's like, but it's like classic boomer yep. one-line email got it that's awesome no period i love bo- i love only murders in the building as well. yeah um, that's a great one great mystery um and great comedy at the same time which you can have both. i also just love the feeling of new york like yeah 30 rock gave me yeah the there's a love in there yeah for the city. i've never been but i just feel like i'm there yeah 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 yeah. i hear it how about you daniel see anything else recently um been well we finally finished stranger things at our household yeah um i have like a profound emotional attachment to it i think it's, it's kind of in the niche that i that i love it, it's, it's it hits my sweet spot it's so it's so good like not the that's the thing is like nobody i feel like i can't overhype stranger things or whatever i can so it's like, i think i can because yeah. i i've I have a wonderful wife who like nit- will nitpick things for oh, me nice. that I'm like, well, you're you're not wrong. Like that is kind of dumb, yeah. or like this is kind of silly, or like why are they doing this? This mm-hmm. is just like so. There's like, oh, I see wheel spinning now, mm-hmm. and I think there's a little bit of wheel spinning. That's fair, right? Well, and I think some of that is just episode count and yeah. runtime. They're like, we have budget and money and time. No, like, totally, we're allowed but, to spin our wheels a little. The, the yeah. spectacles that they're this trying to achieve. This season didn't feel as wheel spinny as the last one. Season three, I rewatched. Um, like a while ago because uh-huh. I was trying to write a, like a spec script for just... it and there was a lot of wheel spinning like mm-hmm. Nancy and Jonathan spin some wheels they go investigate and you're like okay they've been like investigating anyways I, I personally uh, am a, a, attached to Stranger Things because I love the amalgamation of teen coming of age and horror I think there's like King did it which we've talked a lot about mm-hmm. him Hill did it which we saw in Black Phone um, and Stranger Things is literally like page. They literally read out of a Stephen King book in the oh, last absolutely. episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I and I want to shout out Sadie Sink, the actress in this most recent Jeez. season. She carried this season on her back. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what she does. I like, truly, I up. think her and um, 
Caleb, uh, whose last name I don't know, who plays Lucas. Oh, uh, right. Those two carried the season on oh, their yeah. backs. Yeah. Uh, and and one of the Schnapp. most central, important elements of the uh, Really the only movie. romance arc yeah. that I cared about. Yeah. No schnapp, yeah. yeah. Schnapp, schnapp. <laughs> but it's spelled like schnapps. So. Yeah. I just, I, I was so glad to see that they got, like, that's a big budget show and they got the money to do it. And mm. Netflix kind of let them run with it and it was just it was worth it the last yeah. people kind of gripe like oh the last episode's two and a half hours why would i like but why it's not just, great it's just why like, not just break it down into three episodes I'm like well you would have sat and watched all three in one sitting anyways yeah. well they, they could have done the whole russia arc uh in one episode right. but there's a reason why it took right so, and they decided at the very end they wanted to show like everything's happening it's a timing same, thing yeah. too yeah everything happens at the same it has time to this work is that why way. this is why you're able to yeah and I loved it. Fight I, I thought it just it timed out so well, and I loved it. And uh, they did a great job. I was so nervous. I was like, "Man, we're gonna lose somebody." Like, I don't think I was looking at Mary Kate, and I was like, "I think someone's gonna go." What? The whole season, you keep getting like all these. They have, like such positive moments to every character. You're like, yeah. "Oh, it's gonna be that one." Dude, Eddie was my favorite. Eddie's like, Eddie gets like all these great scenes. The You're like, "Oh, his character's been redeemed." You're like, "He's gonna die." Yeah, like, Sadie you know Sink. Yeah. Like the whole season, you're like, "Oh my god, Max is gonna die." Yeah. And then you're like, "Well, Eleven could die." Like, there, what's the, the show without Eleven? Even in the middle of the season, there was a point where I thought like Max is not gonna make it. Yeah, which I think was one of the best moments in the whole show. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the 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 it, moment it, there, the Kate Bush moment like, is like yeah. because there's she's a, selling it. Watch yeah, if you watch reason, her eyes as she's yeah. doing oh, yeah. it. It is the most desperate she, she run knows, I've seen on screen. She knows she's not going to make. Or yeah. There's a strong chance she's not going to. Yeah, it. and just seeing her do it, I was like, my heart was beating in my chest. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've heard all the memes and we've seen all the stuff on like on right. social and media Kate about Bush, it. But like when you actually see it in the actual show, you're it like, makes so much sense. And I think the music they did such a great job. Like they remixed in that Journey song. Awesome, oh, which yeah. is like so more epic. I was yeah. like, this song was already at level ten, and they took it to a hundred by like doing yeah. a synth mix. I think the last time they used that song was Sopranos at the very final scene. Really? Yeah. Don't stop believing. Oh no 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 Wait, no! no, no um, this is um. Uh, oh man, it's like one of the oh, such. A, you hear it and you're like, you're immediately on edge. Yeah. You're like, I gotta go run ten miles. Right. I don't have a choice. Um, but it, it, I love Strange Things. I will probably. Uh, like soft pitch Duffer Brothers, if you're ever listening, please hire me. I will literally <laughs> run you coffee every single morning. We have so much to talk about. Um, and they're making like spinoffs that like after four hit big, they they've got all this stuff with Netflix. There's so many movies. And yeah, spin-offs. they got the projects. They're developing a live action adaptation of Death Note. I know that's I heard they've about got, that. Like yeah yeah. Again? Also yeah, they're doing Netflix, a show. Right? Yeah, they're, yeah. Gonna, do, should, they're gonna produce should be a show. A show. They, they should have done it the first time. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so that was my last like big show, and this is a really, really weird one. Uh, I've been re- so I read a lot. So this is not a this is not at all horror at all. But I've, I've been reading Dave Grohl's autobiography. Oh hell yeah! Oh my god, that is so cool. As a millennial, with the uh, with like the love, just that post pop like post punk rock passion. I like started on Fallout Boy and worked my way to Nirvana kind of thing. <laughs> is like I didn't I missed so much of I didn't know names or anything, but I missed so much of what made Dave Grohl like so integral to so much of the scene. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And this autobiography is incredible. Queens I've, of the Stone Age. Yeah. Did you happen to watch uh Studio Six Six Six? I didn't, but I watched so not related at all. I watched Sonic Highways, which is his That's documentary, yeah. which is fantastic. That was probably my 
first introduction to him as a person. Oh, him as a person. Like, Incredible. I love Dave Grohl. His Hot Ones is so fun. So yeah. good. His Let's interview is like, he, he forces, he gets Sean Evans just fucking yeah. hammered. Yeah. And he, he, he's <laughs> like such a high energy human. And then I read his book and I'm like, holy shit, this guy has been at like the epicenter of a movement. That's just him though. And like, he's reflecting on it. And yeah. it's so cool to hear, like you get all his battle stories, like stuff that made him a legend over time, you mm. know, like falling and then playing a full set and a, literally a 90 degree broken ankle like in in like stockholm or something like he and all these intimate stories uh, i just finished a section on kurt cobain and it is like profound yeah. it's interesting he kind of talks about like he was roommates with kurt cobain for three years they were like they would share like hotel rooms you know he talked about his perspective on cobain like going through heroin and all this stuff and it's just so so fascinating he has all these fun stories about being like just there he like played with iggy pop randomly because he because Iggy Pop needed a drummer for one of his mm-hmm. like album release parties <laughs> and they were open they were like playing a show that night but they weren't playing for Iggy Pop he was just there yeah and he was like hey kid do you want to be my drummer and the guy's like yeah I know all your songs <laughs> um and it's just been it's been like a really really cool meditation I love um like I love music biographies on I've yeah, enjoyed it's... it Michelle Zahner's Crying in H Mart is like has been my all-time favorite nice this is my second so it was the first one I ever read and that one had me weeping um, so by way of uh, Storyteller by Dave Grohl, read Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner <laughs> of Japanese Breakfast because she is like, it's all this story about uh, her mom getting cancer no and way. like her and her whole family like going through the support system. And it's funny because I, I just like the band. I like Japanese yeah, they're, Breakfast. Yeah, they're touring with uh, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. Yeah, they're a big oh, deal now. they came back after fucking like a decade. But yeah. her story is like, I didn't even know. Like she was like, I just started a band with some friends. And my mom was going through cancer and like, and she grew up um, a child of like, uh, like a mixed family and just all these really, really, really interesting. I'm, I'm not kidding guys. Like I, I, I cried. Oh, I had yeah, to finish definitely. the book alone. Cause I was like, I'm going to sob. I think, um, I think actually, they, they did read it for a book club that they did. Uh, not It's like, a really good book. What's and it it, uh, Crying in H Mart. Yeah, and if it. you love Asian food, cause not part of it revolves uh, around, there's I, like a, an aspect of Asian food to the whole thing. Yeah. Your mouth will water. Like she, every chapter just <laughs> has I a watch new dish. Miyazaki I, movie is yeah. Just, yeah. I like came home and I was like, I think I want to go to the H Mart and get some like delicious foods. She's like, you can't cook any of this. I'm like, you're right. I don't have the ingrained knowledge it takes to make delicious food like this. I just read about it. But um, if I could, like, I'm just going to go buy the frozen version and, and politely be like, this is nice. I'm going to make some oh, dumplings yeah. now. I'm yeah, so kimchi. Hungry. Like, I had, like, a new respect for Not kimchi. Not a big fan of kimchi, though. I don't know. My, my it has an emotional is. weight yeah. for me now. I'm like, <laughs> I care about you, Michelle's yeah, honor. nostalgic <laughs> attachments to something. Yeah, that... Um, so those are like, those are my wrecks. Those are oh, really yeah. weird ones, but no, I'm, those are solid. Ones. It's a, they're easy reads too. I mean, they're, they're, it's just people talking. Have you of. read meet me in the bathroom? No. Uh, if you like, uh, early aughts, New York grunge. Okay. Or not grunge. Uh, just indie rock. Like yeah. The strokes, the killers. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's written from some, one of the friends that would be in like the scene. Okay. And would just get interviews with each That's like, cool. member. And it's all written from straight up quotes yeah hmm. like they'd be talking about a night and just like the, the strokes would be playing and then interpol would be playing across the street yeah and they would just go and yeah like watch it's like other. this with dave Grohl. like he's yeah. writing about being in nirvana and coming up with like red hot chili peppers and yeah. nine inch nails like just all these bands that i came a... to later that i was yeah. like wow these are really good which everyone like who was listening at the time was like yeah we know we yeah. were there <laughs> like i would have killed to go see them play live and they're like yeah, we we did. We were there. <laughs> oh, man, um, Travis, oh yeah. what Those about are, you? Uh, I 
I've seen okay, well, Rise of Gru for one thing. He did it. He I'll went, push it. He's a minion now. Full full I am a minion. Yeah, we're all minions soon. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Go we're on. actually sitting here all in uh, yeah. yellow jumpsuits. Yeah, I only wear suits to the podcast now. Yeah. I have I one eyeball now. This tie's kind of getting to my neck, though. Yeah, it's yeah. a little it's itchy. I mean, it's a clip-on, so I don't know why. But uh, Yeah, it's short. It's kind of weird. Uh, Banana. Yeah, I was kind of a little... <laughs> We're not doing that. We're not doing that here. <laughs> I'm never invited back. <laughs> Travis is like, God, I'll nope. never invite nope. him back. Uh, the only one, I, I, I've been watching a lot of all of So the new releases and stuff, I feel like, uh, so um, something we're going to start doing new for Patreon, um, I'm going to start putting little short conversations about stuff that's coming out that we're not going to cover proper on the podcast. Um, for instance, like Thor Love and Thunder or the new seasons of Stranger Things. Like if you really want to hear yeah. us talk about it for a while, um, that'll be a, a separate thing. But one thing that I, I went back and watched recently that I actually had missed the first time it came around um, that uh, Tyler recommended me was uh, Prisoners. Uh, you haven't seen that? I hadn't seen what? it until like what? a couple of, yeah, like it's, it, I just saw it recently. Oh my I know. God. <laughs> Uh, and I feel like it fits into this conversation about like since I, it came to mind because I was thinking about suspense thrillers again uh, in our conversation about Black Phone. Similarly um, related, yeah. 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 If you yeah. haven't seen Prisoners, yeah, it's a Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano uh, doing. Oh my god, like man. the scariest I've ever seen Hugh Jackman be. Yeah, yes. it's an intense kidnapping Tumor. suspense thriller. Yeah. And Paul is... Dano, I like terrifying kind of scary you kind of he's always pity but you don't yeah yeah and everything from there you know uh there will be blood to fucking yeah the bat yeah the batman like his he shows up and it always seems like whenever he shows up in a role he's like oh you motherfuckers forgot that (laughs) he gave a great interview on i think it was when he's doing press for batman they Uh were like wow how'd you get in the mindset of a serial killer he's like well I do a good one and a bad one. He's like, I do a happy movie, uh, and then I'll get called, and somehow I'm like, great, I'm gonna be a serial killer now. Yeah, yeah. He's like, so I'll do like Swiss Army Man, and then turn around and do like Batman or something. Yeah. You're like, okay, kind of weird. He's just he just plays the unhinged or like afflicted character so well, and his, his character in Prisoners is, is Rubik. So yeah. yeah, nice. Cherubic. I love that. Yeah. That's how I would describe yeah. him. Like he's very like. It's like a little baby angel. Yeah, yeah, that, but then also like you know, face. you know that's terrifying. Right, yeah, there's he something took, dark it, and sinister for, behind for each that. one of those like phone calls that he did in the Batman. Uh-huh. Two hundred takes. Wow. Yeah, two hundred takes. That's bonkers. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Prisoners is is the one that like came to mind uh, as wow. y'all were talking. And stuff, that's so cool. You got to see that for the first Man. time. I, yeah, like I said, awesome. it was yeah. crazy watching it as it's yeah, it's like a movie because it's not a new movie. But if you guys haven't seen it, just like I hadn't, hear the whistle. Fucking give it a chance. Yeah, like I did. Um, but hell yeah no thank you guys for coming and hanging out with me and talking about the Black Phone because yeah, this is a pleasure uh, so we watched the Black Phone this week uh, I don't know if you guys have heard I think I might have told Tyler or somebody else but this is actually the end of this first season uh, we covered a whole season on ghosts and demons um, we're going to close out this episode and then next episode is our finale It's a, we're going to do a little palate cleanser that I kind of want to do between seasons oh, right. um, so that being said I like doing sort of a horror comedy uh, so for next week we're going to cover Ready or Not um, are you ready? Yeah, it's a no. fucking or are you amazing, not ready? Amazing movie from uh, the 2019. The question will be answered. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Samara Weaving and uh, fucking Adam Brody and a bunch of awesome people in it. Um, it's a great movie, and it's actually one of my favorite movies it's now. It's so a horror good. comedy. It's got some gore, but it's just it's fucking tight and funny and amazing um and then we're going to start a new series and i'll talk about the new series that we're going to do uh, at the end of next episode um to get you guys ready for that one and it's gonna be super fun i know i'm excited we did a whole week, a whole season man we're, we're fucking uh we're oh all on our way wow. yeah, it's, it's crazy uh if you guys want to follow there is an instagram for this podcast called scary it's at scary sunday scaries there's also a patreon where like i just said we're going to start posting uh shorter conversations about new stuff that's coming out that we might not talk 
talk about on the podcast, but we feel like, hey, maybe somebody else wants to hear us talk about it. So things like reviews of the new season of Stranger Things or uh, movies that I didn't really like enough that came out in theaters, but hey, we can talk about it and review it. Um, that'll be, those will be exclusively on our Patreon along with like some random other artwork and posters, uh, episodes as soon as they are done being edited by me. Um, so that's patreon.com slash scary Sunday scaries. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at Trav the guy. How about you, Cameron? You have an Instagram? I'm at Camo himself. Yeah. What's that band's name? They have fucking awesome metal band that you play in. Uh, that is Revan. It's called Revan the band. Hell yeah. And That's good. Well, it's very clear. <laughs> yeah. What are you? We are the band. <laughs> Believe it or not, there's so many Instagram accounts right. that are just Revan. That's so interesting. I believe but, it. Yeah. The band. So okay. we had to be like, yeah, really specify. Uh, I am at DG underscore Pappas. Hell yeah. It's kind of a lame one, but <laughs> that's me. It works out. What's your middle name? Gregory. Huh. I don't hmm. know if I ever knew that before. Nope. That's huh. it. That's, I'm, I'm a Daniel Gregory Pappas. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Look up his IMDb. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I post about writing. Um, well, I don't always post, but I will post my writing successes on Instagram. There you go. Uh, so I'll have to. I'll pitch something to y'all someday. There we go. That'll be fun. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, come listen next week, and I hope you have a good week. Don't let the Sunday scariest get to you too much. That's uh, not a good deal. Sunday scariest.